This is the Whatever You Say Podcast. All right, check one, two. Is this thing on? Ivory Town's back one more go round. This is the Whatever You Say Podcast. And uh, we're just bringing in the personalities, we're bringing in the folks that we want to talk to and, uh, you know, pick their brain a little bit. One day I'll give you guys a solo. Until then, you got to rock with who I bring in here. And this is a special guy, man. This is, uh, this is a dude I've been knowing and working with for a while now. But, you know, like a few people I've brought in here, uh, there's a two, two and a half year gap thanks to this quarantine stuff that we had to deal with a couple of years ago. And uh, it's my first time bumping into him and bringing him to the whatever you say layer and pick his brain a little bit about, you know, sports and life and society and whatever we want to talk about, all right? But first, business has to be taken care of. Shout out to the sponsors, Cibo Alto, C-I-B-O dot A-L-T-O. Check them out on IG and all that. Uh, higher level cuisines, some of the uh, greatest in the uh, infused category, if you will. If you know, you know. Check them out and tell them uh, whatever you say sent you. Also, one more, new one. Woo-hoo! Shout out to Teachers Appreciation Foundation. One time for my man, uh, Kareem Muhammad, doing his thing for the folks out there uh, who are teaching your badass kids. Check out the magazine, Stroke of Luck magazine that is on the way and it is a subscription-based magazine and you can go online taf5.org that is teacher appreciation foundation number five dot org for the new magazine called stroke of luck and wouldn't you know it um oklahoma city standout football standout osu standout israel antoine is on the cover right now so Shout out to the Antoine family. Shout out to the Millwood Falcons. Shout out to OSU. And I guess, in a way, we got to kind of be uh, Jacksonville Jaguar fans a tad bit. So one time for, uh, for Izzy Antoine and Kareem Muhammad and the Stroke of Luck magazine. Go check them out. All right, now. Jeez, I'm out of breath now. Whatever you say, podcast. And, you know... We cover sports, life, whatever, money, whatever you say, politics, if you want to get into that, whatever, whatever you say, (laughs) hence the name. Um, And this guy right here, I've been working not with him like that, but we've been working in the same vicinity, the same field. um, And that is the sports field. And this guy's a writer for uh, the local paper. I'll pick his brain. I wonder how long he's going to keep doing that. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because listen, I come from the radio field. Is I think it's a it's a stopwatch on radio, but who knows? I don't know. We'll see what happens. And depending on who you ask, some may say the same thing for the newspaper industry. Uh, but my man's been doing it for a long time. If you're in the OKC area, you've seen the guy, you've heard the guy. Hopefully, you've read some of his writings. And give it up for my man Scott Wright, beat writer for the OSU Cowboys. How we doing, Scotty? Ivory, I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. No doubt, no doubt, man. Thanks for for uh, coming on over, uh, stepping into the uh, to the whatever you say studios. I don't know if you knew you were coming to an actual house, but here we are. Hey, the podcast world is. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of this stuff going on, man. I, I know how it is. It's all good. You could do them from anywhere, right? Right, exactly. And there's 50 million of them going on <laughs> right now. 
So we'll see what happens. But Scott, man, uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, where can we start, man? I know you, you do your thing with, with OSU football. You and I first met uh, covering high school mm-hmm. sports, high school football. Um, first off, did, did you play as a youngster? I, I played a little bit of everything. I uh, was uh, I was I was one of those kids that was that was that was kind of good at just about anything I tried, right. but not really good at anything. So got to about sophomore year of high school, and uh, and I kind of had to had to check out on uh, on most stuff. Uh, by that point, I was kind of I was uh, I wasn't quick enough to play basketball or, or yeah. tall enough to play basketball anymore, and uh, uh, you know football football I wasn't really tough enough. So <laughs> right. um, you know, and uh, and I, uh, I ended up gravitating. Toward uh, toward golf, actually, that was what I uh, I, I played to finish up my uh, my high school days. Really, you, yeah. you you're nice at golf, huh? I was okay. I don't don't get to play near as much anymore as I would like to, but yeah, I I, I, I was okay back in the day. I felt like in and you know, well, I guess it depends on what high school you went to. I went to Douglas, mm-hmm. inner city urban high school, at least for my first two years. Then I um, moved up to Kansas City and went to a, a, a kind of more upscale uh, school predominantly white school um so in my time at douglas golf wasn't really on anybody's Mm -hmm. uh radar i tell you what though a lot of cats went to the golf team picture day (laughs) i'd say they did do that it brought out they brought out the kango hats and the and the right (laughs) their nice shoes and their slacks Uh just to take a picture with the golf team (laughs) you know so that's uh that's how they got down at douglas shout out to douglas high school um but I was kind of like you. I, I kind of dibble dabbled in a little bit of everything, especially as a youngster. Mm-hmm. By the time I got up to high school, I was I was focused on basketball. Um, as far as being a a sports writer, do you feel like? Because you kind of hear this question when it comes up about coaching. Do you feel like you have to kind of play a little bit or kind of have some experience? You know, being knowing what it's like being in a locker room, being on the field. To kind of be better at at the writing part, I think I think it definitely helps in terms of interacting with a player, right? You know, trying to uh, to uh, you know ask him good questions about, especially if you're trying to understand the mood of a locker room. Maybe mm-hmm. when a team's struggling or when things are going really well, you're trying to understand uh, kind of the mindset. Uh, I mean, it makes a big difference if you've been in a locker room. And and like I said, after my sophomore year, I didn't, I I wasn't in many locker rooms. So, um, so I understand that you know I don't know what it's like to be a Division One football player and 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 go through what they go through. So so I you know I ask a lot of questions to to try to understand it better and uh, and make sure that uh, that I'm on their level as as best I can to really understand what's going on. But I, I definitely think um, you know I, I I think there's a reason that former players have have such long careers in the journalism business primarily broadcasting you don't see a lot of come over to 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 my world and become writers but um i I think that that uh, not only the knowledge of the game is valuable but just understanding what it takes to be a division one athlete an nfl player um whatever it might be i I think there there absolutely is value in that and and i know that that's a that's a shortcoming that, that that i have when i'm you know if i'm sitting next to somebody that that you know played at a higher level than I did, so um, it's one of those things you gotta you gotta work through. Can you tell like when you see a coach, when you meet a coach, or a couple of press conferences with a coach? Can you tell eh, he played, or this one he he doesn't? He just likes the game. You he know, he kind of knows the X's and O's. It's it's hard. There are some guys that it, it it seems pretty obvious. You know, Dave Aranda down at Baylor is not a guy that played at at a, at a right. real high level. 
Um, and, you know, he's got a, a different kind of personality. You know, he, he talks about, you know, books that he's reading and, and all sorts of different things that, um, you know, that a lot of Division One coaches don't uh, don't don't get into or maybe not even bother with, you know, um, uh, you know, other guys, you know, I mean, Mike Leach is another one didn't didn't play, but definitely a weird dude a different and guy different uh <laughs> different path for for himself so um you know you look at uh at some of those guys and you you kind of wonder you know maybe there is a uh a difference in in the guys who played and the guys who didn't but uh it's 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 tough to tough to know because there's so many of them that did play and were were really good players talk to me about uh kind of the lifestyle of, of a journalist i was um i was watching this documentary uh what channel was it? i think it's on vice the dark side of comedy. Oh. And and it was talking about kind of their lifestyle of, of a comic early in their lives. It's kind of just a lot of driving mm-hmm. and, you know, little towns, staying a, in a little hotel. And you got an hour on stage, but what are you going to do with the rest of the 23? Right. You know, uh, to keep from going crazy. I, and, of course, you know, dark side of comedy. We're going to get into drinking, drugs, and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know you're not. I know that's not the, <laughs> the the life of a sports journalist. Wink, wink. We don't think. Ah. But but talk to me about that, especially in your early days when you were with uh, when you were writing for high schools. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that driving, going to little towns, late nights. It's like wow, this this game ended late. I, I'm not driving back. I'm I'm getting a room. Is it? Can you compare kind of the two lifestyles a little bit? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, you know, the high school beat. Um, you know, you there. There are times like that, man. You're in you're in a small town, and and it's you know eleven o'clock at night when you get done, and uh, um, you know you might not even be done writing your story yet. Right. But you gotta you gotta go find a McDonald's to get you some Wi-Fi, <laughs> so that you can uh, so you can type up your story and and send it in. Um, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's easier than what it was back in the day when they had to you know do everything over the phone and and all yeah. of that. So I'm not complaining too much, but um, but yeah, there. I, you know, I on the high school beat i learned all the tricks of uh, all the places that had free wi-fi yeah <laughs> that, uh, that i could uh, that I'd go squeeze in and um you know spend a lot of time sitting in my car riding because you know on a friday night coaches and, and everybody gets done at, at, a, at a high school game everybody wants to go home they're yeah. done they, they've probably been you know a lot of the, like the workers that like work in the press box and everything probably been working all day mm-hmm. they uh, probably you know it's teachers and and uh other staff from Parents. the school yeah. yeah exactly so they worked all day then came to the game whereas i sat around all day friday and did nothing <laughs> until i went out to the game uh but so you? yeah so so you know they want to get out of there you don't want to hold them up from from their lives and you know whatever that they got to do so you you bail on the stadium and uh, you know, you go find you a uh, uh, Fairfield Inn. That's a that's a good one. You can find you a Fairfield Inn. You can get you some Wi-Fi out, yeah. out in the parking lot. Don't even have to go in. But um, but yeah, you know, I spend some time sitting in in the front seat of my car. Uh, you know, a lot of people think about the glamorous side of of being a sports writer. They don't think about all the right. time spent just you know sitting in your car and uh, you know typing away on on your laptop trying to trying to steal some uh, steal some free Wi-Fi from from a, uh, a hotel or a restaurant or something. Hey, pick up these gyms Scott giving you now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> pick them up now. You need some Wi-Fi? There's a few spots you're going to have to go in. Yeah. Just sit in the park a lot, man. Um, just don't send them this uh, this, this episode. <laughs> That's right. Uh, to, be a, to be a good sports writer, do you think, should your love come from sports first or the, the writing? 
Ooh, that that's a really good question. You know what I'm Do you have to want to be a writer first? You know what I mean? Or, or I'm just a sports head and I just want right. to be a part of it. That's uh, man, that's a really good question. I, I obviously I think you can do it either way. Mm-hmm. Either one can can pay off because there are people in this business that that got into it because they they love writing and they're sports fans. And then there are other people that that are just obsessed with sports, and this was the best way for them to right. uh, to to be in that spot. I was I was one that came up with both. I I was obsessed with sports growing up, and and writing was always the easy class for me. English class was always the easiest one for me. Mm-hmm. So so writing came naturally to me. My love of sports came naturally. So so I didn't ever have to uh, to really explore. The idea that you're talking about. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think you can do both. Um, you know, personally, I, I think that um, you know, having a really good writing knowledge and and um, you know, being able to use words effectively when you're writing, I think pays a big dividend on top of the sports knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas you know, you can see some people that that really know sports really well but aren't as eloquent at, at, at putting right. it on paper. So, um, you know, I, I lean toward the writing side first, but, but you can do it either way. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You, but, you know, it really helps that you, that you love them both. One thing I will say, um, I'm with you. you at, least, at least know your, know your topic, you, you know, whatever you're talking about, sports, cooking, whatever you're writing about, right. know, know your, your, your topic. Um, but one thing, and I, I will say, if you get too far on the other side, do you remember when Dennis Miller mm-hmm. like uh, was doing color commentary for Monday Night Football? Yes, I do. Do you remember when Tony Kornheiser was doing? Mm-hmm. Listen, these guys are uh, at least Tony Kornheiser, and, and I'm assuming Dennis Miller. He's up on his sports, and he's a sports fan. And but but these guys are intellectuals, right? Right. These guys are smart, read, and if you know Tony Kornheiser and and you know, one half of uh, uh, pardon the interruption with Mike Wilbon. These guys write books, and right. you know, these guys are college grads, accomplished dudes, but they know and love their sports also. But I brought up those two guys because I want to bring up a, 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 a an example of when it's kind of too far on the other side. I remember listening to some games with Tony Kornheiser and Dennis Miller, were trying to do their color commentary during a football game, and it was too far out there. Right. You know, yeah. it was like, you know, Tony Kornheiser bringing up old books he read and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, and, you know, Dennis Miller is using the $100 words. It's like, well, you got to understand this is a football community. It's a right. football fan base you're talking to. And you're kind of turning them off with all that, you know, all yeah. that Shakespeare you, you, you're reeling <laughs> off right there. Um, but but I'm with you, man. And, and I was kind of like that also. Writing wasn't the issue. Writing, talking, that wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. And like you, I played a lot of sports coming up, uh, but by the time I got to high school, it was it was all about basketball. Um, but I just kind of wanted because Michael Kenny, I, I I was talking to him. We did a, a, a interview, and he's kind of around that same that same bit, kind of like with you. He has a lot of other interests in other in other fields, mm-hmm. but it always comes back to sports because that's that's where you can easily. You know, you can. That's where you can rest at and kick your feet right. up and and kind of be comfortable in in that in that sports realm. It's uh, it's it's so hard to to differentiate for me. Um, you know, I think about 
um, I, 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 I half jokingly always tell this story of the first sports story I ever wrote. The first game story I ever wrote uh-huh. was uh, uh, October of my uh, fourth grade year. Had to write what we did for uh, for over fall break. Okay, uh, had fall break in in October, and it was uh, it was also my birthday weekend. And um, I had some family members that were uh, that they loved going to Colorado for uh-huh. trips. And so for over fall break, they take me up there. OU's playing at Colorado, mm-hmm. and and they and we go to the game. And uh, so I come home and have to write this story about what I did over fall break, and it uh, it turned out to just be a game story. Uh, so I mean, so I mean, this this love of um, you know telling stories about sports has just always been with me. So it's really hard for me to differentiate the two. Um, you know, uh, you know, if I if if something happened tomorrow and I had to uh, had to had to pick one, whether I'm gonna try to find a career in sports or a career in writing mm-hmm. i don't i i couldn't tell you which direction i would i would go i mean really? i mean you know writing is uh is is something that i'm passionate about uh, but uh, just the, the sports world is is just so much fun to me and so it would be it would be really hard for me to to, to pick which say, side i could fall so say your boss wanted you to write about something else that wasn't mm-hmm. a game right it, would that, that would be an issue with you, or, or have, no. you have, have you had to do that? I've had I've had to do that before, and mm-hmm. uh, I have to do. I got I got another assignment I've already been given that's coming up at uh, not till the end of the year, so I got some time to prep for it. Right. Um, but you know, um, like we're doing this uh, this series at the paper on uh, uh, landmarks around around the city area, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so back in the summer I did one. And I went out to uh, the Winchester Drive-In, Drive-In Movie Theater. Okay. That's been there forever. And, on the uh, south side. Yeah, 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 yeah. out okay. on Western. Um, yeah, went out there, uh, you know, met the owners, some of the workers that have been there a long time, and, uh, you know, wrote a story about that and, and had a blast. I, I, I love talking to people. Uh, I love telling stories about people. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I talk about this, the, the more I realize that writing is probably the answer to your question earlier. <laughs> okay. uh, I, think, I think that I could probably survive as a writer better than I could as uh, just uh, you know, in, a, in the sports realm without writing. So, um, so yeah, I, I just I, I, love, I love telling people stories. That's, that's the, the, the best part of it to me. That's the crux of it, you yeah. know, is, is, is how, how well and, you know, how engaged can you keep people with Right. With what you're writing or talking about. Um, talk to me about the, the, the kind of, I mean, we know it's a perk and it's an upgrade to, to cover high school sports and now you're doing college sports. Oh, yeah. Um, but you're just doing one mm-hmm. college, OSU, right. Oklahoma State. Uh, in high school, you were kind of bouncing around doing all the, all the different schools. Other than that, what, what are some of the, the perks that now I, I know one location I have to be at every week? Right. Yeah. I mean that it's, uh, like, um, I, I kind of liken it to like a, a baseball player when you're in the on deck circle, and you got the, the, the weighted donut on your bat, right. you're swinging it, it's real heavy. And then you, you knock it off of there and you go to the plate and the bat feels light Ooh. as a feather. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's what it felt like going from covering high schools where you got all these schools to, to know what's going on at, to having one school to focus on all the time. And I can, I can dive in and, um, you know, with high schools, uh, you would get to know a lot of coaches, a couple of players on, on the teams that you cover, but you don't mm-hmm. see them regularly enough to really get to know guys. Um, and then, you know, whereas now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm talking to Mike Gundy, you know, two, three times a week, every week from, you know, early August 
through through January. Then you got spring ball again mm-hmm. uh, for another couple of months. So uh, I'm talking to him all the time, talking to players on a regular basis, so that they you know they know who I am when I uh, when I show up. Uh, at least some of them, not all of them, but right. but some of them know who I am, and and you know you can kind of have uh, a little bit of a of a sort of a relationship with them. You don't know them all all that well. It's not like we're hanging out on on Tuesday nights, you know, watching uh, uh, you know watching TV together or anything. But um, you get to know them a little bit, get to know their personalities, and um, you know, so that I, I enjoy that. I enjoy getting to know them on a, on a deeper level than when I'm just popping into a high school on a Friday night and then right. might not. And might not see them again for a month. So um, now I'll say this: at the high school level, the 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 appreciation and, and gratitude from everybody is so much higher. And I, and I'm I, and it's not bad at the college level, but that you just you feel so much more appreciated. It's a business. It, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. You, you get to college, and it's and it is a business. You're just another guy come coming through, right? And yeah, sit over yeah, there. Exactly. Be quiet. No no cheering <laughs> when you um, talking to Scott Wright beat writer for OSU for the Oklahoman. I asked you about, you know, that, well, I commented about that industry, the, the newspaper industry. Mm-hmm. Come on, man, give me some, give me some talks about <laughs> what's going on in the inner circles of, of the newspaper rooms. Are we, are you guys comfortable with the future? Ooh, it, it depends on who you talk to. I am. You I, are? I wish the future would get here a little bit quicker. Really? Okay. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll explain that. But, uh, but, but when I say the future, I'm talking about, you know, Fully digital, all you know, okay. uh, all focused on computers, uh, phones, getting people that inf- our information that way. Okay. Um, you know, we just had a change this week uh, at at our paper at the Oklahoman, where our daily deadline for a non live event. So so like today, I wrote a story that will go in tomorrow's paper. That's not about not covering an event, okay. just a, just about some stuff that I gathered yesterday. So it's not time sensitive. Exactly. Uh-huh. My deadline is four p.m. Today, to, today, to okay. get that story in 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 tomorrow's paper, um, okay, a uh, a two thirty football game. We get a little bit of leeway with a live event, two thirty football game. But Baylor uh, just last Saturday down at Baylor, two thirty start. I had I had about ten minutes after the game ended to get my story done for it to make the paper. Yikes! So uh, a six p.m. game, we've got no chance. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you know these uh, the thunder season is coming up. They play all night games. None of those are going to be in the paper the paper the next day. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, so, so when I say I want the future to get here a little bit quicker, I would be okay if, if the print paper went away because, because it, it, it becomes, it's become so disruptive in our day now. Um, you know, and you're missing information. If you can't, if you can't put what happened at last night's game, what's the, yeah, what's the point of even having a sports section? Right. If you got to pick up the Thursday paper to find out what happened Tuesday night, yeah. there's, uh, there, you've, yeah. you've, you've crossed over 15 different other places. You could have got that information right. already. So, right. um, so it's just, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not helpful uh, anymore. And uh, at least from the sports perspective, uh, you know, I understand news doesn't have the same routine of where right. there's stuff going on every night that right. people are paying attention to. That's a different thing. Uh, so I understand, you know, but, but from my vantage point, the, the print product kind of just is, is more of an obstacle now than, than a benefit. And, uh, you know, I would rather, um, you know, write my story, 
throw it up on Twitter, get it out on the website, whatever it is, and uh, and let people go enjoy it that way. Then yeah. uh, then them having to to uh, you know wait and see which parts of my of my coverage because because here's the other thing. So Baylor, I, I file my story immediately after the game. No quotes in the story. I, I write my story. Then I go down and talk to people. Mm-hmm. Then I come back up and write another story. But it doesn't go in the Sunday paper. It goes in the Monday paper. Wow. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's, there are a lot of frustrations being tied to the print product. I haven't picked up a newspaper and, and fought with the creases <laughs> in years. I right. Even, I don't even know what that is anymore. Get that out of here. Um, but not, it, you know, and I've had Elite One in here. Um, my radio buddy, mm-hmm. DJ Extraordinaire, you know he's out in Arkansas running like ten different stations now. Wow! He's like he's like the guy in Arkansas. So if you travel over there and you know Arkansas and I, I don't know, did OSU play Arkansas anytime? Uh, co- it's up soon? a couple years, couple years. I think twenty twenty four. So we'll see what happens, and you know. Tell him I sent you. Right. Tell yeah. Him, tell him to set, I'm, I'm, I'll make a call. And tell him to set you up nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean. I was talking to him about the radio industry, and it's mm-hmm. like, ah, he thinks it's in a great place. Really? And it's going to be in this evolutionary, and, you know, five, ten years from now, who knows where we'll be. I'm I'm thinking, like, man, please, we got Sirius XM, we got Spotify, we got mm-hmm. Apple. Like, why do we need a radio? Right. You right. know, but what radio does provide that one little just routine. I can just have it in my car. It's free. Right. Yeah. I can turn it on. You know, mm-hmm. whatever comes out of it, whatever information I pick up, that's what I pick up. Right. Um, newspaper has, to, I have to put effort mm-hmm. into a newspaper to go to go buy it, pick it up, read it, and all right. that. So, so now we'll we'll see, we'll see. Um, myself and Scott Wright, we'll we'll see what happens. We're in some fledgling uh, <laughs> industries right now. That's right. Um, you brought up Mike Gundy mm-hmm. uh, when we were doing uh, the Big Boy Sports Show. Myself and my man Mo Prince. What's up, Mo? Um, we had Mike Gundy on every Monday, mm-hmm. you know, after a game, and he was real short with us. You know, I mean, he, you know, I think, I think, I think, like a lot of coaches, you know, when they do the little local hits in, right. in their town, right. you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a a a, a, a job for yeah. them, you know. Yeah. And you know, they they're kind of going to be short and quick and get it out the way. And he he was like that with us, but he was always cool. Um, but one thing, you know, I had some people down there that went to Big 12 Media Day, mm-hmm. and they told me how just Mike Gundy's a little, he's, he's a little different. Um, not a negative way. I think, you know, I think he's, he's glad that he's the big man on the, on the boat right now in the Big mm-hmm. 12. But he didn't talk to anybody. You know, the, the, the coaches, they give their big main interview on the mm-hmm. big screen at the Big 12 Media Day. And then usually what everybody else does, they step down and then they go around table to table and go talk to all the little local, mm-hmm. you know, stations or, or whatever in the region. Right. And Gundy didn't do that. Interesting. This year. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I, 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 think, it, it, I think it goes in the part of this narrative that he's, he's really feeling himself right now. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. Now that's I, fair. I, I, and I'll admit, I didn't, I didn't know he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the print and radio, we kind of get, we're kind of on two sides of the room yeah. at, at, at Big 12 Media Days. So I don't always see, like, I got to get up and walk over there to see what's going on right. with people over there. And we usually got stuff going on on our side. So I, I usually try not to miss stuff. But, um, you know, Gundy talked to us. And he, he, he came off to the side of the, of the stage, talked for another, 
you know, 10 or 15 minutes about, mm-hmm. about some different stuff. And then later we had another, another about 30 minute session, uh, with him. So, um, you know, but all that stuff was scheduled. Whereas, you know, I, I feel bad for the radio guys cause they kind of get put out on their own on an Island. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kind of grab and get, yeah, you gotta exactly. keep attention. Hey, Hey, come over here. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you get, you probably, I'm guessing probably can't worry about, Oh, I got a break coming up in three minutes. I got right. a chance to talk to Mike Gundy, which one am I going to choose? Yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's uh it, it seems like a, a rough life for the radio guys at, at big 12 media days where it's a little bit more designed for, uh, for those of us in, in either in, in print like me, mm-hmm. or if you're ESPN or Fox, where you got some some real swag and can say, yeah. you know, we want, we want we're we're on the schedule, you know, yeah. that type of thing. So um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, interesting to hear that he uh, didn't didn't go hang out over on uh, on Radio Row over there. That's interesting. Uh, they're what ranked ninth right now. Uh, up to seven this up week. Up to seven. Just, uh, just, just dropped yesterday. Up after, to seven. After uh, their big win over Baylor. Uh, and right now, this is, what, Tuesday? We're looking at about 2 o'clock. So hopefully we'll put this uh, – I'll edit this up and we'll, we'll get it out in a timely manner. Um, so, you know, like it won't be Saturday. And we're talking about last Saturday's game. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'll say this. I expected a, a more explosive Baylor team. Yeah. You know, I mean, now OSU has a great defense, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that has something to do with it. But it just seems like Baylor's, Baylor's, I don't know, play calling uh, kind of looked a little different. Yeah, a little more run oriented. wasn't wasn't right. so much of the big, you know, gashing pass plays, things like that. More conservative. Yeah, um, tried to use their tight end a lot. Um, you know, middle, short, intermediate passes. Um, really heavy on the run game. They got a really good offensive line that they love, so I can uh, I can kind of understand that. Um, you know, I think I think OSU is going to see this a lot because they're so good on the defensive line. People quarterbacks are going to be trying to get the ball out quick because yeah. they do they they know they're going to end up on their back if they don't. What so, are they like eight deep at that D line? Oh my goodness, it's, at it's, least at least they're very nice, very deep. Man. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, so uh, so I think that might have played into it some. And, you know, you don't want to sit back there and hold the ball, wait for your guy to get fifty yards downfield. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, based on, on what we saw Blake Shapin do to the OSU defense in the first half of the Big 12 championship game in December, Yikes. I, I kind of expected some more of, of that type of attack. We didn't really see a lot of that. So, um, yeah, I think that, that played into, especially the success that OSU had defensively in the first half, just giving up that one field goal on the first possession. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's been kind of their, uh, their, their method this year. They've given up some points early and uh, and really locked down from that point on so um yeah we'll see uh we'll see where it goes from here but um still a really important win for for oklahoma state down there in waco and what's my man's name middle linebacker cobb mason cobb looks like uh, he's filling in well for rodriguez he is he's he, he's no malcolm but man he is playing well he's, he's all a thumper, over the place though. he is he yeah. is he gets into the backfield yeah um you know osu i was just looking at stats today they're uh third in the nation in tackles for loss uh with uh averaging 9.2 per game he leads the way with seven had the really big play on that fourth down run early in the game when it looked like the baylor running back had a clear path to the not only the first down but the uh, but the yeah. goal line and uh he comes up makes the stop gets the turnover on downs uh, really, uh, really making some big plays, getting up in, in the line of scrimmage and, and beyond, and 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 having a big impact. So, been really impressed with that dude so far. Spencer Sanders came into that game 
leading the Big 12 in, what was it, passing, um, and only had one interception, mm-hmm. finishes the big Baylor game with uh, 14 touchdowns and one interception, so puts him at two. He had 14 touchdowns because he had threw, threw one and ran for one. Yeah. Um, I've always I've had a love-hate kind of with, with Spencer. Yeah. yeah. I, I see the talent, right? Mm-hmm. We see the athleticism, but it just seems like it just every now and then he just kind of loses it. Um, and, you know, then you come out of the game three, four interceptions. Um, but that wasn't the case uh, no. this go-around with Baylor, especially for that first half. Right. Um, he looked great that first half. Um, but what are the expectations for Spencer for you? And give me uh, uh, what is, for as much as you can, Gundy's thinking. He's, he's patient. I'll, I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. He's patient with he players. Is. Now, he doesn't like to play freshman skill guys. Right. But he'll play a freshman quarterback and ride with them all through their interceptions and fumbles. Mm-hmm. Spencer Sanders is an example of that. Do you think that's just because he was a quarterback also? He knows how that feels? And why doesn't he spread that out through, through other say, positions? You you feel? It's, a, it's absolutely a fair question. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I do, I do think that, um, you know, there's, uh, he's got more leniency for a quarterback that's making mistakes when they're young. Yeah. Whereas, um, not to sidetrack, I'll get back to your question, but Ollie Gordon, the running back, you know, he puts him in. I was going to bring him up. <laughs> yeah, he he puts he shows a lot of trust in him. Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter, he's handing him the ball in some important situations, and Ollie gets out there and and it was a it was a big time hit by the by the Baylor guy that that comes up and pops him right, mm-hmm. it hits him right on the the ball right, right on the hand where he's carrying the ball, pops it out. Uh, and Sanders has to dive on it, but you saw immediately Dominic Richardson's trotting right back in right. the game, and Ollie's heading right. to the sidelines. So, um, you know that that trust issue is is definitely more significant with guys at other positions. I mean, last year when they had all those freshman wide receivers, you know they they shut down the passing game quite a bit. They went to really run heavy offense. But uh, but back to your to your question, yeah, he he does uh, he does give quarterbacks more leniency in that because I, I think there's a different level of expectation in terms of. The, the number of mistakes a quarterback is going to make just because they're involved in every play, um, you know. And I, I think that, um, you know, they've, they've had some trouble developing guys behind Spencer has been, has been another issue. You know, you go back to, uh, you know, his early years, um, you know, you had, you had Drew Brown, uh, was his backup, and and he was just just kind of a he was just kind of a guy, nothing real special. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had been he had had some success out at Hawaii before he transferred, but um, but you know that's a it's a different level, different kind of football that he was playing out there. Um, you know, Shane Ellingworth uh, looked the part, um, didn't really get the chance I think to to fully develop. You know, his his freshman year is the COVID year, and that changes a lot of things. And um, you know he came in and, and played well when he had opportunities when Sanders was hurt a couple of different times he was three and0 as a starter um, but you look at him out at Nevada right now and and he's he's struggling he's in a quarterback battle and um, you know things are kind of back and forth he hasn't hadn't gone out there and just set the world on fire so um, you know developing guys behind Sanders has been has been a little bit of a trick uh, where I think that maybe gave Sanders a little bit more job security than he might have if they had had um, and not, not even a great quarterback, but go back to a guy like Clint Shelf. They just had a, a, a guy right. like that as their number two, yeah. where they could uh, could feel a little bit more comfortable pulling the trigger. It might have might have gone differently for for Sanders, you know, a couple of years ago when he was really turning the ball over a lot. Yeah, um, like I said, we see you see the talent, 
but you know, we need to get the, the, the head, the decision-making part of it um, together. It'll be, uh, I see a good last final year for Sanders. And, you know, this year so far, he's been, he's been on the right track, right, right side of things. He absolutely has been. He's been playing at a more consistent level mm-hmm. uh, than we've ever seen from him. Um, you know, I, some of the stuff I was looking up on him, because he's, he's kind of climbing the charts in, in career wins and, and some of those categories at, at Oklahoma State right now. And, um, you know, there was a stretch last year. Uh, the, the category of stats I was looking at was uh, – um, consecutive passes without an interception and Sanders had never been anywhere near that list no. uh, but he had a he had a run from from uh, basically the entire month of November mm-hmm. up until uh, when he threw a pick uh, in in uh, Bedlam uh, where he went 104 consecutive passes without throwing a pick and that was the longest stretch of his career it actually got him into the top 15 uh, you know on the Oklahoma State's all-time list but uh, you know I mean two years ago we would have never been talking about him doing something like that and, and he's found a rhythm where he can uh he's he's taking care of the ball better and, and knows where to throw it now you said 104 passes yes you know really that's two games for gundy right you know? exactly <laughs> and, yeah you know in the history of it but yep but a, a very good job for uh for spencer sanders uh you brought up um ollie gordon mm-hmm. and i was going to ask about him and and then dominique richardson the, the starting running back now mm-hmm. local kid right here mm-hmm. out of mcginnis uh, tell me about him. He um, do do you see him holding that that starting spot down going forward the rest of the season, even going into next season? For the most part, yes. Yeah. Um, I think I think as we get deeper into the season and Gunny gets more comfortable with with the other guys, whether it's Ollie Gordon or Jaden Nixon that had had the big kick return the other day, um, you know those two guys they they're they're both very different from uh, from Richardson. Uh, so they're a little bit of a change of pace type of type of guys, but um, you know I think I think when it comes down to um, the things that that Richardson has picked up over his first two years at Oklahoma State, he's uh, you know he's uh, he's the the best pass blocker uh, mm-hmm. as a running back that they've that they've got, uh, and that's a really important thing in this in this offense. Um, you know they feel comfortable throwing him the ball, uh, and and you know he's shown like you said he's uh, he's going to run hard. Um, you know, it might just be running into a wall sometimes, but <laughs> but he's going to run hard. And you know, Gundy has has sort of alluded to it that they they think that he can be a more elusive back. You know, he's 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 what you would consider a big back, but he's he's six feet tall, two ten. He's not massive, right. um, so you could see him maybe developing those skills if he uh, if he sort of starts to understand it. He's never had to. I you know I watched him some at McGinnis when he was coming up. And he he never had to worry about that stuff because right. he could run over everybody that he played and uh, and then outrun them after uh, after he knocked them on their butt. So um, you know he's he's never had to to be this kind of guy. And and I mean yeah he's in his third year at Oklahoma State now. But before this year he only had had four games in his entire career where he carried the ball more than ten times. Two of those were blowouts over Kansas. So um, you know he's really getting his first test as being an every down guy right now for the first time at, at the college level. Um, but you know you know you look at a guy like Jaden Nixon. Um, he's a guy that I think could uh, could find a role as uh, you know kind of a passing situation type of guy because he's he's better in space. He's a smaller guy, really quick, really elusive in space. Got great top end speed. Ollie Gordon. I've said this every time I've been asked about uh, about his size, but he's listed at at like six one, two eleven, two thirteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. I stood next to the guy in spring, 
and and you could have told me he was six three two thirty, and I would have believed you. <laughs> oh, really? He just looks massive. <laughs> uh, I've I've just I've never seen a a guy right out of at that time. You should have still been in high school. Whatever you uh, say. Because he enrolled Whatever early. Uh, I just I never seen a high school running back <laughs> show up on campus with the the physical traits that that he had. He's just just massive and muscular and and obviously he's talented or he wouldn't be getting put in the situation that he's been in. So, um, you know, I think as uh, as he now rebuilds that trust a little bit. Uh, obviously, Gundy trusts him a lot already because uh, he wouldn't have had him on the field on, on Saturday in that situation if he didn't. Um, but he'll have to he'll have to earn that back a little bit, and I think you're going to see him get involved more and more. Uh, you know, he's already played in all four games this year, so it's guaranteed he's not going to redshirt. He's going to be a, a, a an important piece of this uh, of this uh, you know this run game going forward. And listen, the way Dominic Richardson runs. The physicality he runs with, there's a really good chance that he gets dinged up at some point, whether it's just a, right. a twisted ankle or right. whatever. He's going to have to come off the field, and they're going to have to go to somebody else for for a significant portion of time. So, um, I think Ollie Gordon is is ready to be that guy. But that running back position um, also kind of spilled out into you know this, I guess the Oklahoma State thing, the cowboy back, mm-hmm. right. right? I mean, kind of running back, kind of tight end, mm-hmm. fullback. Who is that this year? I, I, I've watched. I I don't really pay attention to the first three games. You know, the, the little, <laughs> right, right. You know, I know I probably should, but it's just I don't. I don't really pay attention to those games. Um, but this game against Baylor, I, I was impressed. But who, who I was trying to figure out who was that. Who's that guy? Who fits that mold this year? You know, it's uh, even if you had watched the first three, you'd probably still be a little bit confused because it's know. been it's been kind of a mess. So so Blaine Green uh, last year as a true freshman, uh, you know, he was just a big receiver, mm-hmm. and they kind of thought that maybe he could fit that mold. So they sort of started, uh, you know, started playing him in both positions. And this year they were ready to go with him full time as as just that cowboy back, um, as as kind of the, uh, the the pass catching cowboy back, mm-hmm. and. Um, then he gets hurt, and uh, and so they've got a uh, um, they've got a uh, walk on from Prague, Oklahoma, named Jake Schultz, who uh, he's a, a redshirt junior. First three years on campus, he was uh, playing defensive end. They moved him over in spring to offense. He, he's very athletic, picked it up really quickly, and uh, and has been a uh, a really important piece there. Braden Cassidy is another guy that used to be a a defensive end that they've they've switched over just to have some added depth. And uh, and he's been holding up okay over there as well. And uh, and really, just within the last couple of weeks, they've uh, they've transitioned another receiver, Rashad Owens, who is a guy who's he's played just about every receiver position. He's played the outside, he's played the inside. Now they're giving him a shot at, at cowboy back. They started lining him up there some against Baylor. That was the first time we had seen it on the field. So um, you know they're uh, they're really kind of working through things there. They want to make sure that they've got a guy who can be a uh, a real receiving threat in that position uh but then they there are times when they need to just be somebody that's going to go out and lay the wood as a blocker and so they feel like they've got a a good mix of guys uh but there's not one guy that that can do both right now so uh it's a little bit of a of a struggle because it's a a, they can get a little bit predictable if you're paying attention to who's coming in at that spot you kind of get a a good feeling whether they're going to be uh running or throwing so that's something they're they're very aware of and going to be cautious with how they use it uh, who did I see in the pros? Was it Jelani Woods? Right, Jelani Woods. Did he catch like two touchdowns? Two touchdowns in a yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Had, him a, had him a big day, you know. 
Um, you know, he was one of those guys that uh, he would have been perfect for this role. Perfect. And they just never, never could figure out how to use him the right way at, at Oklahoma State. He transfers to Virginia, has a great senior year, goes to the Combine, has a, uh, a big-time performance at the Combine. You know, he's massive dude. Six, I always thought Jelani Woods was underused. Yeah. He absolutely was. Yeah. 6'7", 265, runs really well. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and, uh, and I'm uh, part of the reason I, I I know all this is I'm a big Colts fan. He's playing for the Colts now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so I was uh, I was watching intently as he was uh, as he was scoring touchdowns a couple of weeks ago. You're a Colts guy. I am. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I don't. <laughs> no, nah, I, I expected. What's wrong with Matt Ryan, man? I expected something. <laughs> man, I wish I could explain that. That is that's bizarre. I, and 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 T. Y. Hilton is gone. Or he's still there. He's uh, he's still there, but he's he's not not up. really himself. Anymore. He's not that guy no. from, from three years ago. No, no, it's uh, it's early, but the Colts right now a little, little disappointment, a little disappointment. Yeah, yeah. As a Colts fan, I, uh, you're being nice. Let the Eagles fan let the Eagles fan gloat a little. Bit. <laughs> there you go. You know Enjoy I mean? it, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colts Colts had plenty of plenty of heyday. Okay, they they right. got plenty of memories. All those Peyton Manning those years, Peyton Manning and, stuff, man. Right. Come on, man. Uh, talking to Scott Wright, Oklahoma State beat writer for the Oklahoman. Um, and talking OSU football right now, 4-0, undefeated. Uh, we'll see what happens. What is it, the third time in five years they've been 4-0? I think that's a stat. Uh, that they, yeah, that, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen that, but I'm, I'm racking my brain. I think that's right. Yeah. Something, about, something like that? Mm-hmm. And is Gundy the longest tenure coach? Like He's in the like, top three right now, right? Uh yeah, he's uh he's right up there. Um, cuz he was forever was tied with Gary Patterson or behind Gary Patterson uh-huh. and Patterson's obviously gone now. Is him in um, him in Saban? Uh no, he's ahead of Saban. He took OSU over before really? before okay. Saban moved to to Alabama. So, um uh I think Kyle Winningham at at Utah is ahead of him and uh maybe the maybe the Iowa coach that might be that might okay. be it. That's the that'd be the top 3 right there. When a coach has that much time, and then, you know, like we were talking about earlier, um, he's kind of feeling himself now. And, and a lot of people feel like, because, <laughs> you know, you got, you got your AD, Mike Holder, and, and Boone Pickens, may he recipe, you know, you got those guys not, not around anymore. Right. And, and the new folks, the new AD, and the and new people coming in. Now all of a sudden, Gundy has tenure over those, over those guys, right? Right. I've right. been here longer than you, and, and you know, I win ten games a year. What do you you know? I I get a new contract every two three years. <laughs> you know, um, so that's a lot of stuff. And and for you as a coach, and you've been somewhere that long, uh, with that much success, you know, success. No, however you 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 know, however you weigh success. Um, but he's had a good run, a good year, um, or should I say, a good career? Um, can that kind of be? counterintuitive can that kind of eat itself up because i've go back and i think back a couple years where gundy wore the shirt and had the controversy about mm-hmm. the what is it, the one america network shirt and right. then, what chuba hubbard kind of called him out for it I, i'm wondering is that kind of a, a roundabout reason why he stays there and you always hear every year or two that he's, you know, talked about for this job or go to NBA or NFL or whatever. But I think the fact that he can make a, um, I don't know, you call it a mistake or whatever, he can ruffle the feathers of his team and 
Did he ruffle the feathers of his state? I doubt it. But he ruffled the feathers of his team, Mm -hmm. was called out for it, and, you know, apologized and all was forgiven. Is that kind of a reason why he stays here? Because I feel like if we're at another university, I don't know if that flies. Right. If we're in another region, another state, I don't know if that, I don't know if he's sticking around. Right. Especially just the where we are right now in 2020. You know, we all hate each other, you know, mm-hmm. just all that stuff going on. I don't know if he makes it out of there at another university. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely fair. And I mean, I know I talked to people um, that there was a, a significant number of people. Whatever you uh, say. Very important people say? who wanted him out at, at that point. I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about people <laughs> yeah. that, that have some type of power. Right. Um, and it was heavily debated at Oklahoma State. Um, they, the, you know, they, they stuck with him. And uh, and obviously winning makes people forget a lot of stuff. So, um, you know, he was able to uh, to to right the ship somewhat and uh, and 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 get things back on track. Um, you, you mentioned the change in athletic director and school president mm-hmm. with uh, with Casey Shrum taking over for for Burns Hargis at president. Uh, Chad Weiberg taking over for Mike Holder at athletic director. Um, their first day on the job, both of them was the same day. It was uh, uh, two summers ago. And um, that was a massive day in in the story of Mike Gundy because he is uh, not only like you said he's been there longer and 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 that type of stuff, but he also feels respected by those guys those 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 people. Whereas he didn't always feel that way when it was uh, Burns Hargis yeah. and Mike Holder and, and Boone Pickens. Uh, he felt like he was fighting battles for himself all the time, whereas he, he doesn't feel like he's having to do that now. So, um, so right now, Gundy is, is as happy as I've ever seen him as Oklahoma State's head coach. It, it looks and, like it. Yeah. You know, and, and, like, and like I said, I don't know if it looks like happiness or if it looks like poking my chest out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still here. Because I, I would imagine Gundy, when, when, when the new guys showed up on campus, I would imagine Gundy stand, standing there with his Oakley shades on with his arms crossed, <laughs> just staring at the bus, <laughs> dropping those guys off. You know right. I mean? <laughs> like, you know where you're coming? This, this is my house. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So shout out to Mike Gundy. Uh, we'll see how long he sticks around at my, uh, at, at my beloved O-State uh, University where my kids are at nowadays. So, uh let me know, Scott. I can maybe give you a plug or something. You get up there and, you know what I'm saying? All <laughs> right. <laughs> Have my kids bring you a hot dog or something. There you go. Like um, still staying on football, but we'll go to the other side, OU. And then we saw what happened in the NFL. From a sports writer's standpoint, how many stories came out of this past week with Tua Tunga Viola going down how he did? And then Dylan Gabriel uh, at OU mm-hmm. going down how he did. Both of them are going to be out, I assume, at least the next game or two. Right. Um, what kind of stories are sports, sports writers putting together like that? Are we, are we condemning coaches? Are we condemning the, the, the institution of football, pro and college? Um, how do you feel? Should that – the independent – uh, doctors and neurologists on the sideline. How many people dropped the ball this past week? It's a absolutely fair question. Um, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to to say that we need to condemn the sport, uh, but 
I, I hope that every time this happens, the light shining on it gets a little bit brighter. Um, because, you know, I mean, I mean, you know how it was when, when we were little, um, you know, and Mike Gundy was talking about this yesterday when, um, you know, that now looking back, he knows, he knows he had three or four concussions and yeah. never even came out of the game. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, you know, it was, it was cobwebs back in the day. You, you know, shake out the cobwebs and get back up and go. Um, so you look at, at, at how much we progressed in the understanding of, of head trauma and concussions. Um, you know, it's, it's really important. Obviously, we're seeing, um, you know, all the things that are happening to, uh, to former players, particularly guys that played like in the 70s, um, you know, yeah. and things like that, that, uh, that are yeah. uh, uh, dealing with CTE and, and those types of things. So, um, you know, so progress in this area is a good thing. And um, obviously, we need to, uh, to, to keep it going, at, you know, and, and, and here's where it becomes tricky for, for a sports writer, mm-hmm. because I love the game. I love everything about the game, but I don't want to see people getting hurt like that. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's this, it's this really tough tightrope that you've got to walk um, to, on one side, celebrate the game, and on, on the other side, uh, be like, hey, we got to be careful about this because, because we're really endangering people's livelihoods um, with, uh, with some of these things that are happening. So, um, you know, obviously technology at helmets is getting better and, um, you know, it's, it seems, seems to be changing at a, at a really rapid pace, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, um, I know there was a lot made, uh, at the NFL level, they started wearing, wearing, uh, we call them bubble hats, um, these big protective, uh, padded linemen wear. Yeah. Padded, yeah. padded helmets, uh, or, or pads that go over the helmet, uh, at practice. OSU has been doing that in practice for, uh, three, four years now. Really? And, um, you know, and they, uh, they feel that, that they're helping. So, um, you know, it's, uh, constantly there's new technology coming out, uh, that we hope is, is, is protecting people against this stuff. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, like I said, it's a it's a, a tricky tightrope for for me because you know I I've got a son who's 13, and I've been you know I've been in stadiums where guys got concussions or neck injuries and are laying on the field for uh, uh, for a long time, and um, you know I've covered all these things, and and I mean I made a decision early in my son's life that I was not going to let him play football, and mm-hmm. and you know I'm and then I'm sitting there staring at myself like am I being a hypocrite by going out here and and pumping up this sport the way that right, I am, right. you know? And so you, you deal with, a, with a lot of those things, um, from, from our vantage point, wondering what's the, uh, you know, the right way to, to handle some of this stuff. It's tricky. Yeah. So do they hit, uh, now in practice? I know that they kind of change up the, the scheduling certain days or certain, right. How many days a week you can actually hit? Uh, how, what is that like at, at OSU? Are they actually going head to head? They'll have uh, they'll have a, a couple of team periods, uh-huh. um, you know, during uh, during the course of the week, uh, where they're uh, they're full on, uh, you know, I wouldn't say full on tackling, but it's full full say, contact. I'll, they're they're not maybe maybe they're not taking each other to the ground. Yeah, that's what I'm. But thinking. I mean, they're you know they're you know they're banging heads and uh, and that that type of thing. But um, but yeah, they do they absolutely limit it. Um, you know, there's not near nearly as much uh, practice on on actual tackling anymore at at really any level um you know once you get to 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 high school and above so um you know they're they're real cautious with the uh the amount of times that that guys are are you know banging heads with each other you know and i remember hearing um some doctors some neurologists and things like that saying that you know kids 
you know, and, and let's be honest, kids are bigger, stronger, faster. Oh, yeah. Right? Athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. Um, but I've heard some, some reports of doctors uh, telling parents to not let their kids uh, play, you know, tackle football until they're 12, 13, 14 years old. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But by then, especially if you're 14 years old, you're a freshman in high school. Right. Yeah. And it's your first time playing football. Yeah. You're not making the team, right? Unless <laughs> you know unless I mean? you're just just insanely naturally talented, yeah, right. Uh, and you you were go- and you were going to succeed no matter what when you started. I mean, those are the only ones that are that are going to make it from from that point. And so, yeah. um, you know, I, I know I know flag football is 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 growing at the youth levels. Um, you know, I had a, a nephew that that played a lot till till he got up to the point that he could, uh, you know, start strapping on the the helmet and the pads and and, and going at it. So. Um, you know, hopefully that's developing enough that, that kids are, are, are learning some, some good basics. And, uh, but, but even then, I mean, if you're 13 and you've never, uh, um, you know, you never launched off the line and, and, you know, thrown your full body weight, at another guy and had him do the same thing to you. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's a very different experience than anything you're, you're, you're getting it in, in flag football. So it's, uh, it's a, a, a tricky spot to be in if you're, uh, if you're a kid and I mean, I, I, uh, you know, made the comment about my kid earlier. My, I, I, my, my kid had no interest in playing football, so I didn't ever have to have that conversation <laughs> right, with him. Right. I didn't ever have to say, "No, we're not going to do that." Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, if if he had wanted to play, really wanted to play, it would have been it would have been tough. It would have been a really tough thing. Yeah, my son, my now now my daughter, she was a little more athletically gifted, uh, tall, slim, could naturally run and jump, played ball. Uh, you know, pom pom cheerleader and everything. My son had that too, but he he that wasn't his mind frame. Mm, My yep. son was, he, he was kind of a big kid, you know, about six one, make it up to like six two, six three by the time he's done. Um, but sports wasn't really his thing either. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had him um on a basketball team. He was like nine, ten, eleven years old. It was a travel team, and these kids were good. Yeah, like these kids were real good. And he could play a little bit, but he wasn't on these kids' level. Right. And and you know, and that that's when it kind of popped in my head, like you know what, the little going to the park, going to the gym with your son, shoot some ball with dad, it might not be cutting it anymore. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, like I got to get this guy a full on trainer because that's what that's what these other kids were. You know, on top of you know kids knowing and hanging around each other and just playing with each right. other. Right. You know. Um, my son went to a different school than these kids, so he didn't really know him like that. But you could see right away that, you know what, in this sports game, especially this youth sports game, you either get in it early with a trainer and with a regiment and all that type of stuff, or you can sit there and wait till you're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old if you want to. And then now you're going to be going for another another field because right. I don't I don't know how much you're going to flourish in that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – it's amazing to me the levels that that youth sports have have gone to now where yeah. where i mean if you're you know other than i you know football takes a takes a pretty significant break but if you're a, a baseball player uh, a basketball player at the, at the youth level i mean it's it's a year-round thing now yeah. you can you can go play baseball year round as a as a, an eight-year-old now yeah. and and basketball is the same way and basketball's been a little bit more that way for a while because you had the aau circuit through the summer um but but even even that has has taken off to the point that 
is just always going, and it's uh, it's it's just wild to me. Say you're at a game, Scott, and and you're writing a story. Uh, you know, you're kind of writing as the game goes along, right? Mm-hmm. You're keeping yeah. notes or whatever. Do you put, or or should I say, I know you put it in your story, but how detailed do you get when you see a kid laid out on the on the field, not moving for five ten minutes? Do you do you make it a point to go find him after the game, or or maybe ask his family? And how much of that do you put in your story? Yeah, I mean, some of that depends on on the situation. Right. Whereas, um, you know, if it's a, if it's a high school game, uh, you know, I'm probably going to be able to go find the parents in the in the stands and and, and talk to them, or uh, you know, catch them after the game, or um, you know, whatever it is I need to do. Whereas, uh, if it's a, a college guy. Um, you know, he, you know, we, we don't get full access to the locker room. You know, we only mm-hmm. talk to the players that they bring in to talk to us. So, um, you know, and they're, and they're not going to bring in a kid that's, that's been through that situation. Um, you know, so you, uh, you have, yeah, you have to dig a little bit harder to, to find out what's, what's going on sometimes in, in those situations. But, um, you know, you try to, to be, um, as, uh, as detailed as possible, whether it's, you know, describing what you saw on the on the hit, or or how he got tackled, um, or um, you know, uh, yeah, he was he was on the field for this many minutes and and strapped to a stretcher and, and carried off, and uh, you know he was he was moving his arms or yeah. or you know whatever whatever it might be. So um, you try to be as as thorough as possible in uh, in explaining the details uh, so that you're so that you're representing what happened accurately and and um, you know, making sure that, that people understand exactly what went down. Uh, beat writing for O State is that? Can you compare it? Like when maybe when you you come across uh, another team or or you got to share a writing room with another beat writer? Can is there like any comparison going on? Oh, they they get to do this or <laughs> you know their sports writers have matching jackets. You know where's mine? <laughs> right. that, that type of stuff go on. <laughs> um yeah absolutely there are uh uh so um you know i i, I won't call i won't call out the uh the other organization Go ahead, call them out Scott. i won't call out the other organization <laughs> but um but we were at we were down at big 12 media days and now you have to think our our, our newspaper has two major uh you know power five football teams mm-hmm. we also have an nba team in our town so we we got a lot of stuff we're spread thin this particular outlet they have a, a a very significant Big Twelve school in their in their coverage area, but no no pro sports at all, it, huh? and and you know there's no secondary university that they're having to worry about. So so you know you try to guess who we talking about. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know so our place we're pinching pennies. Uh, you know, and 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 having to, uh, you know, we had to, we we, we wanted budget, to get budget spread. A little we thin. wanted, yeah, we wanted to get a fifth person down to Big Twelve Media Days. So we uh, we we switched our rental car that we were taking from uh, from a a car to a, a minivan. Uh-huh. SUV was going to be too expensive. A third row SUV was going to be too much. Okay, but the minivan we were able to get a deal, and so we got a fifth person to go down <laughs> to Big Twelve. Media. Okay, but uh, but so this other outlet um, shows up. 
they uh, they their drive to uh, to to Arlington was about the same amount of time as mm-hmm. us, uh, and the details are getting a little bit clearer if you if you start uh, start uh, figure, uh, okay. start doing the math. But okay. uh, but so they uh, but like they all they had four four people for one school where we had five for two schools, uh-huh. uh, four people for one school. They all drove separately their own their own cars on their got, own time. Got Teslas pulling up, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, so yeah, you, you stuff are like, man, I wish I wish we could do that, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's some of that that goes on. All right, little, little warriors play between right. the, the sports writer crews. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, uh, right now, the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. and I've had this conversation with a few folks, a few sports guys, some writers, and all that. Um, I'm nervous. Um, all this conference realignment stuff going mm-hmm. on right now. So the SEC. SEC it's doing their thing, right? Big Ten doing their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just pulled over, who was it? SC and, 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 UCLA, and UCLA, right? Um, Texas A and M and Missouri mm-hmm. left Big Twelve, went to the SEC a few years ago, and now here we are, Big Twelve. OU and Texas are leaving the Big Twelve, and so now we're talking about well, who can we get? Uh, Utah, <laughs> Arizona State, right? I'm nervous for the Big Twelve, Scott. Yeah, I, because because if you got if you got big bad SEC sitting out there, then you got Big Ten up there doing what they do. Who knows what's going to happen with Pac-12 or whatever? Um, but you know, uh, outside of SC, who 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 are you worried about? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ACC, same thing with who with with Clemson, I guess. Right. Yeah. I'm worried about the Big Twelve because after OU and Texas leaves, I'm sorry, but who? Who, what school makes anybody nervous? So what what right. what school left makes the Big Twelve a big time conference that we got to pay attention to? Right. I'm nervous. It's absolutely fair. Uh, here's uh, two things. Number one, because of of you know TV markets and just dollars. Yeah. SEC and Big Ten, they've got one and two locked down. So it's a, it's a race for number three right now. Yeah. ACC, Pac-12, Big Twelve. And and it's a race to be number three and be, you know, right behind those guys at uh, at the dinner table when uh, when ESPN and Fox and and whoever else gets involved, Amazon or whoever else starts. So yeah, when they start handing out the checks, yeah. you want to be number three. You don't want to be number four, and you definitely don't want to be number five. Yeah. So uh, so it's a, it's a it's a race for number three right now. So if you're the Big Twelve, obviously you're you're excited about what you got coming in. Uh, but not to the level that you're talking about. I mean, Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, Central Florida is 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 good for where the Big Twelve was right. after OU and Texas left. It's not great for getting that number three spot. Yeah. So now you look at uh, at at who else might be out there. The 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 two big ones I think I think the 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 number one focus for the Big Twelve has to be on Oregon and Washington. Um, Washington because it's a big market and and has some tradition. Oregon because it's obviously you know I mean they've been in the playoffs recently. Want some of that Nike like money, that. right? Exactly. <laughs> bring some uh, bring Phil Knight and, and his Nike dollars into uh, into the Big Twelve. Um, you know I think I think that's uh, that's where it's got to start. Um, you know it could end up that they're uh, a big enough draw that that the Big Ten takes them in at some point and and you know that that's a that's a moot point for the Big Twelve, but. Um, so then, that's where you you get to where they're looking at Utah, the Arizona schools. You know, bringing Colorado back to the Big yeah. Twelve. 
uh, and that's uh, uh, it's it's not as strong as you'd like to be, but that might be strong enough to get you to the third spot at the table. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's the important thing when you're looking at at trying to get the biggest check you can for your schools from from TV dollars. You know, it's it's got to be something significant. I don't know how this would happen. I th- and I think that's that's kind of oh, Mark Emmert's a joke because I'm not even going to throw his <laughs> name out there. And But somebody, could there possibly be a situation where, I don't know, somebody who has a lot of money says, you know what, uh, I want Old State from the Big 12. I want Oregon from the Pac-12. I want... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can get Notre Dame to do something, Notre, right? Yeah. You know, like like pick and choose, because as currently constructed, nobody is messing with the SEC and Big Twelve, right? As far as schools, cachet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, how often are you a powerhouse school in your conference? I mean, those two conferences got it locked down, and I don't know if the Big Twelve, Pac twelve, or ACC, even on their best day. Can can put together a group of schools that are left over to compete with them on a, on a yearly basis. Right. So you know what, uh, Clemson, O State, Oregon, da, 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 you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And now we got another conference. Pick a name. I don't know. Name it whatever you want. Right. But now we got another conference, and now we're looking at three conferences that are powerhouses. And I guess if you want to you want to keep the other schools left around and throw four or five. That's fine, I guess. But is that a possibility? I don't know if that's – I'm just kind of spitballing here, mm-hmm. but my point is none of those other schools look look appealing to me. Right. So, you know what, let me pick and choose whatever left over and I'll start something else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to go that way necessarily because then you get into, okay, the, the Pac-12 contract runs out in 24, yeah. Big 12 in 25. Uh, ACC is like is like thirty three or something crazy. <laughs> so so yeah. no, no moves being made with right. Them, uh, so so you got you got that kind of craziness. But um, you know, I think I think the idea of what you're uh, what you're talking about is is very possibly the direction that this could go. Where mm-hmm. where whoever gets to that number three spot, whether whether the other two kind of crumble and end up joining, you know, whichever the other three will take them. Um, you know, but I I think I think that could very well be. The direction we go, where we got maybe three huge conferences, and uh, and and you know, the leftovers of the other two sort of end up being stuck where they're stuck. FCS schools, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I mean, that's why when you look at at the the four that are coming in to the Big Twelve right now, uh, I mean, it's it's like they almost hit the lottery because if if um, you know if if it had been right now, the Big Twelve might not have been willing to say, "Hey, Houston, come on." When when Oregon and Washington and, and and Utah are out there, yeah, uh, you know it would have been it would have been a very different conversation if things had happened a little bit different order, uh, but the way things happen now, BYU and Cincinnati and Houston and Central Florida, they got the golden ticket to uh, yeah. to to what is right now the Power Five level, uh, but they're in with with one of those conferences that's trying to be number three and and really make some 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 bucks so. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see how things have, have developed. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's another round of chaos coming. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just trying to figure out when and, and, and what it's going to be. I remember a couple of weeks ago, everybody was all up in arms when, I don't know why, cause we already knew the story was coming a couple of years from now, 
when but remember all about a couple of weeks ago it was this whole new um this whole new uh, energy that came down negative energy that came uh, down about why OSU and OSU, OU and OSU aren't going to have Bedlam anymore. <laughs> right. I was like, where have we been? I thought we already we had yeah. that established a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Um, but it, I cracked up when I saw Paul Feinbaum, you know, the SEC guru. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw fa- Paul Feinbaum and he, the Bedlam game was brought up to him. And he was like, OU and OSU, nobody's looking. Nobody's paying attention <laughs> to them. He's like, okay, you got OU in Texas. Okay, that's that's a good Big Twelve rivalry. That's that's national, but OSU and OU, they're not national. Nobody pays attention to them outside of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, Paul. Okay, we get it. Right, we get it. But he, he he's right. You know, I mean, it's a regional thing. Yeah, May, maybe even a state thing. Yeah, you know, we're talking about Bedlam, um, but it matters to us. Damn it, and 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 if they're going to they, whoever they are, if they're not going to have that game anymore, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect some things around here. It's going to affect some money. Yeah. You know, oh, for all, 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 all this money and all these new buildings that, are, that they're throwing up out there in Norman, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to affect some things. Maybe it slows down a little bit, you know, because that Bedlam game is not going to be around anymore. Um, and then Gundy wanted to kind of point fingers a little bit and blame, <laughs> blame OU. Is, that, is, it, is it even worth those kind of conversations? It's your fault. It's their fault. It's my fault. Uh, no, and, and you know, Gundy's Gundy's thing was he was getting frustrated with people saying that it was OSU's fault. When obviously the mo- the move that made this an issue was OU going to the SEC. Yeah. Um. So that was uh, that was uh, his point. Now I think that that the the people that actually in their hearts believe it's OSU's fault are, are, are mostly just OU fans that are just listening to uh, kind of what's, uh, what's being said and not, and not really taking the, the full scope of that. I think it's a minority of, of the people involved is what I'm getting at. Um, so I don't, I don't think that there was a majority of people saying this is OSU's fault. Right. So, so I think Gundy was a, a little stronger than he probably needed to be, but, uh, but he doesn't want to have to talk about it anymore. And I can understand that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a tricky situation following it, um, being on the Oklahoma state side in terms of how I cover it, where my conversations are with Chad Weiberg, Mike Gundy, uh, you know, people connected to OSU, mm-hmm. um, so and 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 OSU took a more uh, a more realistic uh, approach in terms of what they were putting out publicly about about the future of, of Bedlam. They were pretty honest in saying we don't we don't see a way that this game's going to work based on the way things are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, you know the OU president, the it was the former president now, but I can't remember which one it was at the time. Um, you know, came out pretty quickly and said, "Yeah, we we still want to play Bedlam," but they didn't really lay out any, uh, you know, anything that they're willing to do. You know, are they willing to go cancel a contract with with Michigan or Nebraska or Clemson on their non conference schedule yeah. to to put Bedlam in that spot? You know, things like that. So, um, you know, I uh, as a uh, as a kid that grew up in Oklahoma and and has loved Bedlam. Uh, I, my first Bedlam game that that I that I really remember being at was '88. It was oh, Barry man. Sanders Heisman season. Not the '88 season, right? It was wow. Barry Barry's Heisman season. He he rushed for over 200 yards. Oh, you had Mike Gaddis, who uh, uh, Carl Albert boy that was uh, yeah. that was that was just special. Like, if he hadn't hadn't torn his ACL, 
Uh, I would have loved to see what his career had become. Um, you know, Charles Thompson was was quarterback in the Sooners that day. It was up in Stillwater. Uh, I somehow, me and my uncle got tickets in the o- OSU student section. It was oh, it was wow. a wild it was a wild day up there. Not at, the students, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, I got I got sidetracked. But but so so the Bedlam game means a lot to me because yeah. it's been a big deal. Um, you know, my whole my whole life, and so. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm holding that hope. 2038 is the year I've got marked on the calendar. I think, I think Bedlam comes back in 2038. As of right now, neither school has any non-conference games scheduled. Okay. N- they have nothing on the schedule beyond 2037. So I'm, 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 I'm picking him for 2038. Bring back Bedlam. All right, folks. There you go. You hear it here first. 2038. How'd you gonna be? You still gonna be here? <laughs> uh, whether I'm still covering football is a, is, a, is a question. I hope I'm just kicking around. I'll take that. Man, uh, okay, twenty third. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> write down somewhere. Um, real quick, uh, since we're talking about all this realignment and stuff, say a bigger, bigger school, bigger conference. G- give Scott Wright a call. Mm-hmm. Is, is it that easy to make that change and more money? And, and all right, guys, I'm out of here. We talk literally in my life. Yeah. No. 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 Really. I'm. I'm. I'm absolutely happy where I'm at. I got. I got more a, money. Uh, yeah. I. I got. I got a 13 year old son. I. I'm. I'm not. Uh, you know. Gotcha. Not. Uh, not down with 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 uprooting him right now. Now five years from now he's done with high school. Things change a little bit. You. Uh, you know. I'm more willing to pick up the phone then. But uh, right now you. I'm. I'm. I'm satisfied with uh, with the life that uh, that I've got here in uh, in my home state. We're fathers, people. Can't That's right. Be bouncing around like that. That's right. Got these kids out here. Yeah. Um. Uh. So we'll see. All right. So. Uh, turn now, that, I'll say. Turn I'll that s- checkup. Scott Wright doesn't want it right That's now. That's right. That's right. Now, <laughs> see where I thought you were going with the question was was what if the SEC comes calling for, oh. for Oklahoma State? Oh. Does that change things? And oh, it wow. absolutely does. Oh come on uh, now. You know they start if uh, if the SEC decides they want to expand. Uh, OSU is going to be uh, going to be one of the first ones knocking on the door, trying to trying to get in over there. With the SEC open, uh, I mean, not right now, but but it's hard to say where uh, where things are going to go. If they if they see an opportunity to uh, uh, where a university or or two would would bring in uh, you know more eyeballs to uh, to their conference and 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 thus bigger paychecks from from ESPN and and those people, yeah, I think they'd do it. How much would style of play come into that decision? Because I remember, I don't know, uh, maybe, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, Alabama went from three yards in a cloud of dust right. to flying the ball all over the place. Right. Throwing the ball all over the place. And then once Alabama started doing it, all of the SEC started doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's no more, it's, it's no more of this... Just run the ball and, and you know run the ball and defense stuff going on. They've right. opened up their play a little bit, and OSU does that almost better than anybody anybody in the country. Oh, absolutely. How how much does that stuff like that come to play? It, it's not just the money and, and all that. And I I don't know how much money Ole Miss is bringing in and right. Auburn and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I, I would imagine it's a little more than than O State. But how much does you think personality of a coach mm-hmm. style of play does that does that come into into the conversation in terms of of the marketability of a program something that gets people excited outside of Stillwater right it it absolutely has uh, has an effect because that um, you know I think I think leads to that leads to where ESPN looks at it and says yeah this is something we can work with yeah. this is something we can promote 
Um, so I, I think that matters. But it was funny what you brought up about Alabama's switch because uh, a couple of years before they made that switch, Nick Saban was actually like 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 campaigning for a rule change that would al- that would prevent offenses from snapping the ball so quickly. Because he I thought I that. he was yeah. he was getting irritated at them going so fast, yeah. and then and then yeah. he uh, uh, you know and uh, he he finally uh, he backed off of it and decided hey we're just uh, we're just gonna have to join up and uh, and go run this too. Saban, you're in the perfect pocket of the country, right? You got all the speed and power you want down there, exactly. Man. You know, so come on, man. But but now that that's that's interesting, and I've always wondered, you know, hey man. Uh, because there are some people outside. I used to live, I used to live in Kansas and, mm-hmm. and Missouri, right? There are some people outside of Oklahoma that do know all about OU and OSU, and they're right up north in Kansas because there's been nothing say? up there for years. <laughs> now give them some props. They they they're looking good so far early mm-hmm. in this year, both KU and K State. Um, but there there is it's a regional thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean you're not gonna go all the way up to. New Jersey or anything, but you know Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, you know Kansas. They 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 know what OU and OSU brings uh, mm-hmm. to the table. Uh, so we'll see what uh, what happens with that. Scott Wright, folks, we're talking sports and all that stuff, man. Uh, Scott, I, I I hate I hate this con- I hate this this argument, but I'm gonna ask you, and then we'll we'll skip right on over it because I heard somebody giving a uh, I heard somebody talking about this on on social media. I was I was scrolling through watching something but they were talking about high school players that they feel like could have went to the nfl i hate that conversation Ooh, yeah, i, I hate that, that conversation especially now that the concussion stuff has come back up all right. over again yeah i don't ever want to hear that ever i don't care how big how talented a high school guy is that's 18 that's not ready for 30 right no. <laughs> you know what i mean no i don't care what you're doing to these 16 year olds at your game no, it's it's cut it out. It's it's way too physical Stop for it. for kids at that level. I mean, I mean, I was I was raving just a little while ago about Ollie Gordon and and his, uh, you know, his physical stature. Is right he, now, is he ready for the league? No, he's he's <laughs> no. he's even even as developed as he is, he's not ready for 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 Big Twelve football right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it, it takes time and and patience and development. To get a guy where he can handle the the rigors of, of what you're facing against, I mean, Baylor's got a 358 pound nose guard. I mean, I don't care if you're, I don't care how how physically developed your 210 pound body is. That's uh, that's <laughs> yeah. not something that you're ready for at the at the age of of, of 18. And um, now this isn't directly connected, but you were talking about Izzy Antwine earlier. He's a guy that I'm really excited about watching his career. Because he's he was he's very young for where he was at in in the college process. He could have come back for another year because yeah. of the COVID stuff. He decided to go ahead and, and give it a shot. But he was only when I was I was at his pro day in Stillwater. He he was only twenty one. He might still be twenty one. I don't know exactly his age when his birthday is. But twenty two even at you know, and he's always been very physical. I mean, I Huge. covered him. Since you know his sophomore year at Millwood was my first time seeing him he's in person. He's a weightlifter too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's probably advanced for for what we're what we're discussing. But even he is, you know, he's having to grind to get his opportunities at Jacksonville. And part of that, I think, is probably because he's you know he's twenty one, twenty two years old right now, and he's going up against against grown men that are you know three twenty, three thirty, and, and have and, been doing this exactly. Yeah, you know. 
and and that but that's what that's why I'm so excited to see where his his career takes him because he's he is still growing even though he's massive and and incredibly physically developed he's still developing man I, I was calling Izzy's games uh shout out to the whole Antoine family They're right great, great, uh, great bunch of people man I uh, love them all um I mean I went to a Bedlam game with them they took me to Bedlam oh nice one time a few years ago it was great man um but Izzy I think he was I was talking to his dad he was like as a freshman or sophomore or something he was six two like two eighty five already mm-hmm. right and now he's like six four three twenty mm-hmm. like you know what I mean yeah and and in high school even he what well, he's not ready to go against Aaron Donald right are you kidding no. me like but so I I just I hate those conversations and oh absolutely and now I wish especially now that concussions and things like that are on the forefront so much I hope that those that type of stuff can go away right um you know, so so we'll see what happens. Um, but shout out to the Antoine family. Keep grinding, man. Um, NIL. Yeah. Where Where is OSU with this NIL stuff? I mean, I know you don't. You just cover the baseball of uh, the football program, right? Not not the basketball. Or... I, I, yeah, no, I'm I'm more just kind of observe the basketball program. Mm-hmm. My uh, my coworker Jacob Unruh is the guy that that really focuses on on basketball. Okay. I do I do some stuff like wrestling, women's basketball in the winter, and um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I I I keep up with a little bit, and, and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead on your question, but but kind of uh, you know OSU's um, I I feel like they're doing some really good things with what they're putting together on the NIL front. Um, you know they don't have. Um, the type of boosters that are going to be dropping, you know, seven million dollar checks or or buying guys Lamborghinis, but they're doing stuff that benefits everybody, and and uh, I think that that's going to be the type of thing that really benefits a program like Oklahoma State. Whereas, um, you know, maybe it's even just a, a walk on um, who's you know maybe he's got uh, you know Tulsa. North Texas are interested. Some of these smaller programs, he maybe he's got scholarship offers from there, or he sees, okay, I can go to Oklahoma State as a (laughs) walk-on, get in on some NIL money where I'm maybe making, you know, twenty, thirty grand through through NIL through these programs that they're developing, and maybe I can uh, go up there and and make a difference, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, things like that that I think that are going to uh, to be beneficial to Oklahoma State. They're uh, um, you know, they're doing uh, a lot of things. They have a, a, a former basketball assistant coach named Barry Henson who has taken over as, as sort of the, uh, um, the, the guy in charge of, uh, of their, their group, their, their NIL people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, uh, they're paying very close attention. And like I said, they, they might not be you know, getting ESPN headlines for, for the magnitude of the checks that they're writing for one player. But what they're doing uh, across the board is going to be really beneficial to uh, not only the guys that are uh, that are there, but the ones that are that are coming. So I think that they're doing it the right way. Nil money to a walk on, right? I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Uh, okay, explain that though. Why why would I give if I if I have four or five star guys, you know, and and three whatever? My point is, I got better players on the team mm-hmm. that have a scholarship. Why would I? Why would I give something to walk on? Well, now it, it comes down to who's who's giving them. Now, I mean, if 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 you're sitting here, uh, and and you say, 
okay, here's this. Uh, say it's a it's a Millwood Millwood kid comes through, uh-huh. and 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 gets a scholarship to OSU, and and you say I want to I want to do something NIL wise for this kid because you know I, whatever I seen him grow up or or mm-hmm. you know Millwood pride whatever uh, whatever it might be. Now, now, am I? I'm just. I'm a parent. I'm. A, I'm just a fan. Just a fan. Just a fan. I just come, just write a check, and say, "Hey, I, I want to do something for this kid." Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, you can't. It, there, there has to be, you know, some exchange of something with with his name, image, and likeness. You can't just right. hand him a check. It's got to be above board and and within the rules still. But but mm-hmm. you can specify that it's you know just for uh just for one kid okay um if you're uh you know you're you know you know maybe you're gonna have you're gonna have him come on your radio show once a week come on your, your on your podcast or whatever okay and uh and and do that type of thing so um so you can do that and it's still uh directed at at just a uh, a specific guy um uh, but what osu is doing so that so that they're not um because they uh, my gunny is very serious about he does not want to have to use NIL in recruiting. He doesn't want it to be a negotiation where, okay, I've got a scholarship and 50 grand a year. I get it, yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. He wants to be able to say, we got you a scholarship. Here's this NIL group, and and here's what they're doing for, for everybody. You know, Then beyond that, the players can can sort of market themselves and um, you know find other NIL opportunities for themselves now, this NIL group—do they go out and you know wrangle up sponsors and people who want to? Is that what they're supposed to do? Go out and kind of serve as an agent? In a, in a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're they're more so kind of reacting to uh, to what's coming in, but they are but they are in a way sort of going out and and being the uh, the representative that's uh, that's bringing this in, hmm. and uh, and then they're you know the ones that are making sure that everything's being done right. I mean. Being done right is 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 kind of a, a, a squishy term in in right. this because it's not there's not a lot of rules, no. uh, but but they're trying to be uh, fair and honest with how they're with how they're doing it. And like I said, Mike Gundy doesn't want to have to be having nil negotiations in a uh, in a, in you know an opportunity in a moment where he's offering a kid a scholarship. Because where does it stop right. at that point? Right, exactly. And then and inside the locker room, you know, you already have competition and strife mm-hmm. over playing time. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. A guy is fighting over numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's already some competition and, you know, some stuff for playing time. And, you know, why why did they pick up this guy's scholarship? And they dropped mine, you know, some st- stuff like that. So now you add in a half a million dollars, or, right. you know, 50,000, whatever you want to throw in there. Mm-hmm. That's just more issues. And what about the kid who's getting all the money and the assistant backup uh, linebacker coach <laughs> is – you know he's tripling what he makes. Mm-hmm. So now, does that coach kind of have a? You know, we're all human. Does right. that coach kind of have a side eye at the kid and yeah. think he doesn't deserve it? And you know, right. just it's a lot of stuff, man. No, it it absolutely it's a lot is. of mess. Muddy money makes things muddy, and there you go. It, uh, it it absolutely is is an issue, and I think that's one of the things that that Mike Gundy is is trying to be proactive to get ahead of. Um, whereas, you know, if you're, uh, if you're a player that's going out and getting your own deal, okay. But in terms of what's being done across the board, it's, it's all fair and balanced. So I think that's a, uh, that's a, a big part of it, but, but yeah, I mean, if, uh, if, if you got some car dealership that, that wants to give the starting quarterback a, a new car and then, uh, and then it turns out that kid can't play 
and all of a sudden now your backup quarterback has a really nice car yeah and uh, and your starting quarterback doesn't uh, you know uh, how does uh, how does, how do people feel about that yeah and, and how does that work does can that dealership when I mean it would be a, a shitty thing to do but that kid gets hurt right can I can they go snatch the car back <laughs> right that's foul yeah that's dirty man I mean so and and that's the type of stuff that you need rules and understanding on. Like, all right, now, once you give me this car, once I sign this, it's a wrap? Right. Like, is it done? Or just while I'm here at the university? You know, or... Mm -hmm. And and that's the type of stuff that you would think that they would already kind of be proactive about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, you know, it's it's weird how college sports, football and basketball, they just run amok and then when something happens, they, oh, 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 I, we didn't think. Oh, you know, you know. Okay, we'll get to that. Right. That's kind of how they are, man. And it, and it's it's kind of ridiculous because on the other side of this, they pump that whole "we're here for the kids" stuff, we're right. here for their education. Right. It's it's, it's nonsense. Um, when are they going to come up with some rules? Are they ever? How long can this last with no rules? That's uh, that's what's yet to be seen. So everybody and, wants to know, huh? Yeah, and and the and the other question. Um, that even even people at, at OSU that are that are going through this and and doing this trying to keep it on a small scale and things like that is you know does does the money run out? It's like if you're if you're a donor you say? and you, you say, say okay I want to give a couple of million to OSU for the NIL program, <laughs> well well when that money is gone, you can know I, is can there, I come back for another two? Right, we we come back and we need two two million more. You know I mean that's uh, that's going to based on how you did last year. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. So it's there's there's a lot that's yet to be seen with how how this is going to play out and whether these uh, these these big dollar deals are sustainable. Whether uh, you know whether thirty grand a year to every player is is sustainable long term. You know, so it's uh, it's a little bit of a trick right now. And, and I, I'll admit, Scott, I was one of those people screaming, beating the desk. Yeah, pay these players. Right. Pay these players. I thought they would have some kind of rule book right. behind it. But Scott Wright, beat writer for OSU Cowboys, uh, working for the Oklahoman right now. We're chopping it up. T- tell me about uh, the quarantine, man. How did mm-hmm. how did that shake up your uh, your job, man? What? What were you doing for those two years? I mean, how how, how different were the writing rooms? Everybody oh, masked up and oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um, well, you know, going back to to the very beginning, obviously everybody remembers. You know, it was it was the Thunder game. The Thunder it was, game, yeah. It was the the big moment. Uh, the Big Twelve basketball tournaments were going on in in Kansas City that nobody week. nobody could stand Rudy Gobert. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, you know, so uh, so I was I was at home. That week, OSU had just started spring uh, football practice. That week, we yeah. had gotten to uh, to do some interviews on uh, on Monday, and I think by Thursday everything was was shut down. So, um, you know, it was uh, it was it was so weird trying to to figure out what in the world I was going to do uh, because okay, so so mid March, you're already starting to feel like you're getting toward the end of, of of the school year, yeah. And that and you know my job is obviously very much dictated by the school year, June July. Uh, really not that's really it for me that's summer june mm-hmm. july is is dead time there's nothing going on with school stuff um so so march you're starting to feel that a little bit you're like getting you're getting close and so all of a sudden everything shuts down and you're like okay so now we got you know all the basketball is done all of our spring sports that were going to be the that you know it really just started those are all off the off the calendar now 
And then, and then even if this thing, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to last at that point. We were mm-hmm. thinking, you know, a couple of months maybe and, and things are back to normal. And, uh, but then I'm like, oh, well then it's June and then there's nothing else going on for us anyway. So we yeah. were looking at, at August already trying to figure out how, how fast August could get here. And, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of weird things. We did a lot of lists, a lot of rankings, um, during, uh, during that time. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of different things like that. We took turns on the staff writing, um, um, uh, the, uh, the the title of, of the story every time was Why I Love Sports. Mm-hmm. And every every person wrote their story about I, why, I why that. they love sports. So, um, you know, we did that for a while. and uh, um, Just trying to stay busy. Exactly. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, then, you know, finally got around to the point that football was going to happen. And, um, you know, all the uh, all the interviews that year were done via Zoom. Even, even at games, that's what a lot of people – don't realize even at games that, yeah. i'm i'm in i'm in the press box yeah i watch the game players go to the locker room but i can't i can't go talk to them i'm sitting in the press box yeah. on zoom with with the guy that's you know uh, you know however many feet away in a uh uh in in the locker room so um that was uh that was very different um you know then uh, you know just trying to trying to get through that and you know, every week you're worried about what school is gonna is gonna have to cancel their game this week, and and, and all of those things. And so, um, you know, looking back now, uh, I'm thankful for uh, uh, just on a strictly personal level, I'm thankful for how quickly sports came back. Yeah. Um, whether it should have or not, that's uh, that's a completely different discussion. Uh, but uh, I mean, like a lot of people were. Uh, you know, cabin fever was setting in for me and, uh, you know, want to be back out at, at sporting events. So it was a, uh, it was a, a, a tricky time. And, um, you know, even when we were in the, in the press box there, those seasons in 2020, you know, you're, you're, you're masked up, you're you know, yeah. six feet away from everybody and empty um, stands. Yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, uh, it was just such a, uh, such a weird environment. I was, I was reliving some of that this weekend because, um, uh, OSU played at Baylor, in December of 2020, and uh, you know we were we were talking about uh, hotel rooms because we were discussing where we were staying for the weekend, and and they were like, "Where'd you stay last time?" Because 2020, I went back, went down by myself. We yeah. couldn't we couldn't get a, a second rider or much less a third right. in the press box. So I went down by myself, and I was like, "I I don't remember." Like I remember the game, uh, but outside of that, I don't remember anything about the trip to Waco. Right. Uh, it was just that whole year was just such a blur. Empty highways and all. Right, it, it was crazy. Yeah. And then you combine that with the protests, George right. Floyd, um, just you know, what everything we every and, and after the game, what you come home see on TV, people fighting, right? You know, everybody would just you know, we would just at each other. Right. We're, right. we're still at each other as American people. There's it's like a little mini civil war going on right now. How, did that change your your writing or just how you looked at maybe athletes and maybe the strife of? Of, of, of some athletes, minority athletes in particular. Mm-hmm. How did that kind of adjust your writing and, or maybe, or, or did it at all? Um, my writing, not that much. Uh, I'm probably more conscious of, of some things, um, unconscious biases that maybe, um, cause like I was reading, I was reading some stuff and, um, uh, you know, a, uh, a guy pointed out that, um, say you got, you got a, a white player and a black player. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're uh, more likely. A person is more likely. A writer is more likely to refer to the white guy as gritty and tough and intelligent, and the black guy as super athletic 
really fast, Very those true. type of things. Yeah. And, and so I've become much more aware of, of those, those type of things in my writing uh, and make sure that what I'm saying is, is accurate and it's not something that has just been uh, you know, just floating around in my, in my head for, for whatever reason. Um, so, so there are little things like that that have impacted my writing. Um, it's, uh, I would say more than that. Um, made me very aware, and this is something. And I'll, I'll go back farther in the story okay. uh, to set it up for you. But um, but just being more aware of of someone's life and and what they have gone through that's different than what I went through. And I mean, full transparency. I grew up in in Yukon um, in you know the eighties and nineties, and it's it's a very white place. Yeah, very. And yeah. Uh, you know, I I was I was fortunate. With a Garth Brooks Boulevard. Yes, exactly. As white, you know, <laughs> as white. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate as as a young kid. My my mom passed away when I was nine, but even before that, um, you know, she had she had grown up in in Putnam City, so a more diverse place than uh, than than we were living, and so she had a different viewpoint than a lot of uh, of people that I was being raised around. And so, uh, her and, and my and my dad's always been the same way, and so I had a really good upbringing. Um, whereas, uh, you know, I was I was surrounded by a lot of racism growing up, mm-hmm. um, even though I wasn't being exposed necessarily to a lot of black culture growing up. I had a uh, I was I was I was lucky to have parents who um, who trained me to be uh, accepting and diverse in my in my opinions and and look at at things from a different perspective right. and 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 um you know not have biases against people simply because of the color of their skin. So I I I consider myself lucky in in that way, but but this has always been something that that has been um you know an, an emphasis for me growing up knowing that I have no clue what a kid that went to Douglas right grew up in. Right. I I I have no clue and and especially when I was covering high schools and I, you know, I mean, we ran into each other a ton at Douglas games, Millwood games, mm-hmm. um, all of that type of stuff. I, I, I took a lot of pride in getting to know those kids and understanding their backgrounds. Um, not only to tell their stories and give them their moment in the sun whenever, you know, they were succeeding as high school athletes, but just to, to grow myself and understand something that, that as a kid, I had no clue was even existing in the world. So, that was, um, you know, that's that's kind of the thing that. Um, so I, I would say I would say everything that was happening around 2020 was just kind of a reminder to me to not to not forget about that, you know. And, and we had the stuff you mentioned Gundy and Chuba Hubbard and the T-shirt right, and all right. of that, those things that went on, and and so it was definitely a present thing in Oklahoma State football coverage too. But um, it was uh, it was something uh, that that just it sort of brought me back to like, hey, remember. That you you don't know what you know what these athletes that you're covering uh, just because you like football and they like football it doesn't mean that that your yeah. backgrounds are the same. Was it easy to find out maybe that maybe some of your, or should I say, could you see some of that same awareness in your colleagues and and maybe not that your writing changes but maybe the type of story you write, the topics you, mm-hmm. you write on, is that kind of, maybe that adjusts a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that was a, uh, you know, I, 
I really like the the staff that we've got at the Oklahoma now because of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got people that are uh, very aware of of what's going on and um, willing to ask questions for st- about stuff that they don't understand. Um, you know, willing to uh, you know point out when when something is wrong, and um, you know that's. The, I, I appreciate the fact that we're having those conversations and, um, you know, pushing, pushing that stuff out in, into, you know, into our, our website, our, our newspaper, because, you know, sports is, can, can be so connective across racial lines, um, you know, um, socioeconomic lines, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, so I, I, I feel like we kind of have a duty to be at the at the forefront of that in in you know sharing stories, sharing opinions, um, whatever it might be, um, to make sure that uh, that that sports are being used to to build up rather than tear down. All of a sudden, um, a sports writer's torch got so much brighter. Mm-hmm. Right, like all of a sudden, it's more than just, yeah. These this team won. This guy played well. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Now, now when I'm writing about a game, I'm not. I'm supposed to stay on the game, right? Right. I mean, I'm not supposed to veer off and get into all the other stuff, but just maybe the verbiage, mm-hmm. little stuff. You know, words are powerful. Yeah. You know, like you said, instead of calling the guy athletic and calling the other guy cerebral and smart right maybe you know there's a dictionary everybody has a dictionary on their phone use another synonym right <laughs> use another word yeah. you know i mean and just little tweaks like that can go a long long way um did you find it easier like you said you 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 kind of felt glad that that you the oklahoman whoever your colleagues you know were, were writing about that type of stuff do you find it easier to write about those type of topics because we were having those conversations because it's happening in front of our face. So it's like, you know what? Well, this is kind of the, this is the, the word of the, of the week right now. Let right. me, let me spill over and maybe, maybe, you know, it, it's not an Oklahoman sports uh, story, but it is a story. Right. It, it, we, we had our protests down here too. We had mm-hmm. our issues here too. You know what I mean? So, I just feel like going through that, do you feel like it's easier now that I've experienced it, I've seen it, you know, I've I've had conversations with people about it. Now I'm I'm you know what, I feel easier and feel more relaxed to get my opinion out there about it. As before, as maybe it's like, no, nah, I'm tr- strictly sports and right. this is yeah. what I write about. Yeah. Yeah, it it absolutely is. And and um, you know, and and you know, being in my role as a beat writer, there's not a lot of opportunity for me to necessarily just throw out opinions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a lot easier for me to um, say approach somebody who was at a protest yeah. and say, "Hey, what what was it like? What was your motivation? What were you know, what, what what were you hoping to accomplish by doing this?" Or mm-hmm. um, you know, I uh, I remember the first time I was still covering high schools, the first time I saw. A, a player kneel for the national anthem, 
which is it's incredibly rare at the high school level for football because players are always in the locker room. Yeah. But these these the, these were kids, the captains who had come out for uh, the coin toss, and and one of them took a knee, and I I, I never wrote anything about it, but it gave me the opportunity. Uh, and 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 I'll I'll say this at the time I didn't write about it because I was afraid of how this kid would be judged by the. Uh, uh, stereotypical reader of the newspaper, yeah. and I didn't want to be responsible for shining a light on him that maybe he um, wasn't necessarily looking for. He was wanting to do something in the moment, but maybe not have it broadcast sure. statewide. Sure. Um, but anyway, but so I got to go up to this kid after the game and be like, "Hey, I noticed you kneeled for the national anthem." I'm like, "You know what? What was your thought process?" And I was and I was clear with him. I wasn't going to use it in the story. wasn't going to write about it, mm-hmm. but I wanted to understand him and. Uh, you know, and I found myself having a, a very intellectual conversation with a 17-year-old that I never would have had the opportunity to have before. Was it like that for a lot of your your colleagues? Like you say, that specific situation right there, taking mm-hmm. a knee for the national anthem. At first, that was not that was not looked right bright upon. Right at first, we did we didn't like that as a whole. Mm-hmm. Put it like this. Half of us didn't have an issue with it. Half of us <laughs> did, right? So there was one half of us that didn't like it like that. Um, I would imagine there was some of that in in your writing rooms, in your in your writing group, you know, colleagues, right. and yeah, folks that you kind of see every week. Whatever hey, you hey, say, hey this you guy, say, you know, you whatever. Steve, hey, Steve, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, that type of stuff. I mean, right. is there was that hard to? Do you even find it your responsibility to get that out of their mind, out of their thinking? Or you just kind of, hey, that's his opinion, and you move on and, and do your thing? It's, it's, it's very tricky because, especially with something like, like that, mm-hmm. that very issue, it's so triggering that you worry. Like, like, you, don't want, you don't want to ruin the mood. Right, or... <laughs> or just break out into a huge argument yeah. in the middle of the press box when you're supposed to be covering a game. <laughs> right. So right. there's there's things like that that uh, that you know that are circling around in your head. Um, you know, whereas in a different setting, um, I might be more willing to 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 share my opinion about sure. the First Amendment or. Um, because that's very important to me. I make a living because of the First Amendment. I'm <laughs> right. well, I'm well aware of that. Right. Uh, so I, uh, um, I, I have a, a lot of respect and uh, and desire to protect the First Amendment. So, um, and and that was and honestly, that was probably the toughest thing for me hearing some opinions from other journalists that were uh, that were on the other side of of the kneeling issue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm like you. I mean, literally, if we didn't have the right to free speech, newspapers would not exist. It would be here, right? Yeah, and so I don't, I, 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 I can't rectify that in my in my brain and make it make sense that uh, you know that that yeah, I, I care about free speech up until right. it you know makes me uncomfortable or or whatever. Tell me about like, and I don't know if if you have an answer or maybe a, a, a how it comes about but you're a writer right you you you're in the you're in the um, uh, in the writing field mm-hmm. and you have a process of gathering information 
right? And and sorting through that information, finding fact from fiction, and making your decision or your opinion based off of that. And as a journalist, though, you write the story, the paper comes out, people read it, but still, it, it still turns into something else. How do you right. how do you deal with that? Because re- really, what I'm getting around to is Kaepernick and really how any other situation. I tell you what I did it for. This is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like this. I don't like that. And then two weeks later, he hates police. Like, right, like right. I mean, and, and and that's just the topic I'm bringing up because we're talking about it right mm-hmm. now. Sure. But it happens with anything. I think we've all done the done the 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 little story, the little exercise or the game where as kids we sit around in a circle, tell each other a secret. Mm-hmm. And by the time it gets back to the per- place it started, it's right. totally different. Yeah, yeah. A- as a writer, as a journalist, how does that happen? Or how do, how do people take it? Kaepernick was on TV telling people why he was doing that. Right. Everybody could see it. Mm-hmm. But somehow it flips into three, four other negative things. Right. Like as a journalist, did that... How does that process come about? Do you have any answers for that? <laughs> I don't. I, I wish. I wish I did. And it's uh, it's incredibly frustrating. People read your words, right, and then go to a total another planet on it. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, it's uh, it's very frustrating as as a journalist, um, and it's just mind boggling to me when I when I see stuff, and and even on a small level uh, compared to what we're discussing here. Um, when you know, I write I write a story about Spencer Sanders through four interceptions, and you know the uh, the 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 diehard fan says, "Why do you hate Spencer Sanders?" <laughs> right. Like I uh, yeah. I just exactly. <laughs> I just wrote that he threw four interceptions. <laughs> I didn't say that I hate him. So, um, but yeah, that that kind of stuff is uh, is is very present in uh, in what we do and. Um, you know, and then when you get it magnified on this really large, um, you know, uh, social level uh, that's impacting lots of people and and their lives, uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 just I I don't know. It's so frustrating. But who, who and and on the beat writing thing, I remember I remember um, when uh, when the thunder well when the thunder were here. They're still here. When, when KD and, and Russ and all those guys mm-hmm. were here, and what happened? Uh, did KD miss a game-winning shot or have a bad game? And he had unreliable, right? On the right, on the, right, right, right. As the uh, as the headline on uh-huh. the paper, Mister Unreliable. Uh, Mister Unreliable. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you, there's people who write specifically the headline, right? And then there's folks like you who write the story, exactly. But then and there's people who edit it. Yes. Or do you edit your own? Uh, both, both. Both. I, I edit my own, and then and then, and then uh, somebody, somebody else looks over it too. And then the and then the I guess the boss or whoever says, "Okay, we're going to call this story Mister Unreliable." Yes. Right. Exactly. Is that how much does that get under the the, the skin of a journalist? Oh, it's it's so tough because when the the headliner just blew your whole story, right? Because it's 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 boom headline, you know, big two inch letters. And right below it is your name. Yeah. So, so you're yeah. automatically tied to it. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, Barry Trammell was the guy that was that was tied to that one and still is. Yeah, he I was. mean, that was uh, that was the seed that planted all the stuff that happened between him and Russ later on with the interviews and uh, next question. All of that was planted with that yeah, with that mo- that moment. 
and um, yeah, so so yeah, it's incredibly frustrating that uh, that that whole debacle was. I, uh, it that honestly that changed a lot of things how we uh, how we operate now before before our front page goes to print now uh, a, a PDF of it is emailed to the entire staff so we can look at it and see what's going on that was not being done before Mister Unreliable and um, if one, and if one person has an issue right and what they they change it or we it's a discussion we at talk the, about at, it? The, at the very least it's yeah. a discussion so um, you know back then that wasn't that wasn't happening there was uh, there was you know, two people in the office that that were aware that that headline was going out that that next day. Um, you know, I mean, if you go back and read the the actual story, it doesn't really fit the story of uh, right. the, the of of what Barry was writing that day. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we know Trammell's Barry. still there. Is the is the the headline picker still there? <laughs> he is not. Oh man, he's no that. longer with us. Damn it! Right, hey, what happened? He is still in the business, just not with us. Just not with, I, and I think how much of that had to do with Oklahoma was new to the right, yeah, the big time mm-hmm. professional NBA scene, you know, and and it's kind of like, uh, listen, little town, you got to learn how to crawl before you walk, right? You got to learn how to treat your stars, mm-hmm. right? And we, you know, all we had were college, and you know, OU, right. I guess, is is the, the biggest as that as, as it gets, and you know, they're kids. We don't have to. You know, we kind of write what we want about them. Yeah, right. We might have to deal with a parent or something, but, you know, so I, I think as Oklahoma City, we have to kind of learn, you know, as a collective. Right. You know, because there are some people who, who there were some people who felt like the article was right. Right. You know, or yeah. the headline, should I say, was right. Right. Um, but, you know, now where we are, where are we now? We can't, we begging and pleading for somebody to, for a star to come through here in Oklahoma right. City. Yeah. Um, Scott, when it's game time and and you know you're on your way to a, a big game, mm-hmm. is there a is there like a uh, get me in the mood song, get me in the mood meal, or something that that Scott likes to have? Oh man! Or um, well, at this point, it's another whistle. It's another game. <laughs> another no crowd. No, I I hope I never get to that point where yeah. it's just another game, especially football. Uh, because they, you know, you only get twelve of them a year when you're uh, when you're covering the college game. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I appreciate every single one of them. Um, no, no. A lot of times, if, if when we're heading to football, a lot of times we ride up together. So we'll uh, especially if we got like say we got a two thirty game, like we'll have another game on. Mm-hmm. So we're listening to, listening to some football as we're as we're heading up, or um, you know, uh, nothing uh, nothing real in particular. Um, you know, at OSU, they always take care of us with the the pregame meal in the press box. Pregame the, uh, meal is the, uh, the always some some type of barbecue. They meal change is it nice. up. They uh, they change it up on, for us, so it's always uh, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. But uh, but they take good care of us. So um, nothing uh, nothing that I'm really no no routines on game day. I guess for me, really. One time I I was in the press box and I had those cookies. Mm-hmm. Like, is it some kind of white chocolate? Right, 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 right. Man, those things yeah. were stupendous, oh. man. Oh, they got some I went stuff. back, I went, I went again, and I was disappointed that they weren't. Uh-huh, right. I said, where are the cookies? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they're good, though. Uh, game time song. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, I, well, you say you, you're riding up as a group. Maybe in your high school days, you're going by yourself. Mm-hmm, right. Or maybe just a just a a, a, a highway song. When I'm mm-hmm. If I got a long drive, this, this is my cut, I'm... That I'm turning on right here. 
Um, and, and I was, uh, I had this, I had this going on my, uh, on my way over, over here to visit with you today. Okay. Um, uh, Pandora, I get, I get some, uh, some nineties R and B and rap going. Okay. That was, uh, that was in my wheelhouse back high school and, and into, uh, into college. Um, so some, uh, ha- I, I, let's see, what do we have? I, I heard some ludicrous, some, uh, 50 cent. Okay. Uh, some Eminem on my way over here today. Um, How would you look at it in Yukon with that type of playlist? <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, there was a, a very specific divide between, uh, between me and, uh, and, and those that were, uh, uh, that were happy to be driving down Garth Brooks Boulevard. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, Scott, who, who's your favorite athlete? Ooh, favorite athlete, man. Um, in terms of the one that I was uh, the biggest fan of, um, it would either I'd, I'd have to go. I'm a big Cubs fan. I've been my whole life, so I would probably either go back to uh, uh, to the the '80s Cubs with Ryan Sandberg and Mark Grace, or uh, Andre or Dawson. Andre Dawson was on that team. Sean Dunstan, Jerome Walton, uh, loved that '89. I Cubs like Sean team. Dunstan. Oh, he was so much fun to watch. Um, I hate to tell you this, but I, I grew up a Cardinal guy. Ah. And we used to go to Cardinal games uh-huh. like during the summer. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm right around there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Ozzie Smith, Vince Coleman, Todd Worrell, right? Willie McGee. You oh, know. I was I was so bad at being a Cubs fan back then. I didn't realize uh-huh. as, as a kid how much I was supposed to hate the Cardinals. Yeah. But the Cardinals were were so much fun to watch yeah. with Coleman and McGee stealing bases all the time, and Ozzie Smith doing flips. And, you know, he come out and do a uh, backflip every right? game. Yeah, as, as a six, seven, eight year old kid. That's all I needed. Oh, was I didn't so need the cool. rest of the game. It was so cool. <laughs> when I just come out doing backflips. Yeah. I said, this, who else is doing this right now? Yeah. Uh, no doubt, man. So you're a Cubs guy. Yep. Listen, you guys did win the World Series a couple years ago. Hey, I got, I, I, it's just coincidence. I got yeah, my 2016 got, World Series shirt got, on right got here. Got your shirt on. <laughs> and how big of a coincidence that Albert Pujols comes back to the Cardinals. Right. Goes over 700. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to get it this year. Right. And on the last game, he gets 702. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of historical mm-hmm. storybook type stuff, That man. was wild. That was great. Shout out to, uh, to Pujols and, uh, and the Cardinals out there, man. They, 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 got a bit, they got a real shot this year. They got do. a real shot. The Cubs, on the other hand, I, I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're, don't, we're done. Know. We're done for a while. I don't yeah. know. Give us a couple more years on this rebuild. <laughs> you, guys, hey, you guys bought that. Uh huh. Right. That uh. Right. World Series. Yeah. It ain't been going right since. No, we tried to tried to sell off all the pieces and <laughs> and didn't get much for it. Either. Right. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let me see. Pre-game meal. Um. Uh, other if OSU, I guess if OSU right. not, not if feeding they're, you. if they're not when they're not feeding <laughs> me. Um. I was uh. I was I was always a pasta guy. I don't know why. Get that, get that, uh, get that nice uh, that the, protein uh, up yeah, in you. The, yeah, the carb carbs up in you. Yeah, so uh, uh, I don't know that I was thinking about it that way back then. I just really liked spaghetti and lasagna and stuff like that. So um, that was uh, that was probably my go-to back in the day. Oh, no, when I played, I didn't like I didn't like too to be too heavy. Right. When right. I played, yeah. you know what I mean. I just mm-hmm. just give me a little something to snack on. I remember it before Douglas, uh, before uh, basketball games at Douglas, coaches used to run up to KFC. <laughs> and get us a little two piece. Uh-huh. I was like, ah. can't go wrong with that. Yeah, it was good, but just right before a game. Mm, yeah, it, that's it, true. It didn't that's sit true. with me good. A little all heavy, a little greasy. A little yeah. bit, a little bit. Uh I might be late for the tip off, coach. Hold right, on. Right. Hold on. Um best sports movie. Ooh, uh being being a guy that loved baseball when I was young, I was obsessed with Bull Durham for uh, for a long time. Um I'm a big fan of uh of that one. Um 
Remember the Titans is another one that uh, I've always been a, uh, a big fan of. So that'd probably be, that'd probably be toward the top of my list as well. I like remember the Titans. Can't go wrong with that one. Mm-hmm. When it comes to baseball movies, though, I'm not going to lie. I never saw Field of Dreams. Okay. I was a major league guy. Oh, yeah. Major I love major good. league. Major league was really it was good. goofy, but that, that was. That was It'd be, it's definitely top five for me. Uh, for sure. I, I love major league. Yeah. Um, but, you know, White Man Can't Jump. I love mm-hmm. that one. Yep. Uh, the program. I love the program. Mm-hmm. Um, what was another? It was another baseball movie out there. Uh, but, you know, one thing about sports movies, I, I want them to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And one thing about baseball, you can kind of fake baseball a little bit. Right. Right? I mean, swing a bat, run. You know, I'm not, you know, not to shit on them or nothing, but just the things you have to do in baseball aren't fluid. Right. Like with a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Like you got to do with, with basketball and football and things right. like that. One thing that will kill me worse on the sports movie is if you're out here trying to play a, some kind of athlete and I can tell just by the slow motion you know, cutaways and stuff mm-hmm. that you ain't played a, right. a lick of basketball in your life. Yes, exactly. You know I, mean? I can't, I can't stand. Or, or like, I, you know, shout out to him, Will Smith, great actor. Apparently, has a great right hook, <laughs> but I couldn't stand Ali. Yeah, because he looked bad as a boxer to mm-hmm. me. He, you don't box. I can tell right. by the way you're moving. You, it just, it wasn't believable. Right. Uh, it, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like that one. Um. You're a golf guy, right? Right. The live PGA stuff. Mm-hmm. Where are you with that? Are you are you with Tiger and Rory? Or are you um, with Are you with uh, Field and 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 everybody, everybody else? else? Right. Cam Smith uh, and all those guys. It's uh, it, as hard as it is for DeChambeau. me to say because because uh, as a as a left handed golfer, I loved Phil my my you know from the time he emerged on the on the tour. But I'm I'm on the PGA side with this one. Really. I just, it just feels a little too dirty on the other side with the 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 Saudi money and it and all that stuff going so, on. So 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 you're on the so you're you you have the thinking of I don't want to be associated with, yeah, with the Saudis. Yeah, absolutely. But every other corporation in America is right. But you just is it just a sports thing or just me personally? I just don't want to be because everybody's in 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 in. Everybody does some dealings, right? If right. You're, if you're a big time corporation on what, yeah. some kind of level, you're crossing over somewhere with got, somebody. You got some dealings with them, right? And 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 Scott, come on now, hundred million, right? You you go you go. Uh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't walk away from that. Let's. I I completely understand. You know, you know, you look at a lot of the guys that they've lured over there are guys that are at the tail end of their careers, yeah. and and they know that the that the dollars that they're going to make in the PGA. Are uh, are nowhere near what's what's on the table for them. So I I get it, um, and, and and I understand that you know that I could leave here right now and and go buy gas from some gas station that's uh, that's got some you know some connection to somebody that's doing <laughs> right. something dirty with money. So right, right. Um, you know, and I get that, but um, you know, I just I don't think I'd be able to just stand up and and listen. I'm saying this. I don't have a hundred million dollar check in front of me uh, right. that I'm that I'm stepping up and walking away from. But I, you know, as much as I can try to put myself in that situation and say I wouldn't take it uh, because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the bank with that with that check knowing uh, knowing what uh, what it's based in. Yeah, I got you. It, it's it's, but I mean, it does look like though that Liv has the better roster. 
I mean, they got a ton of big names. A ton I mean, of big got, names, and the, they're getting young guys now, too. So. You got the DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. And who's the other Bryce? Bryson, Bryson. Uh, no, who, who's the DeChambeau? Who's the one he always fights with? He always is. Oh, uh, um, oh, good grief. Uh, Kepka. Kepka. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DeChambeau, Cam Smith. I'm going to say one thing. Cam Smith should have been left because I saw, was it the Open that we had and he won? Mm-hmm. Right. And what was it on Saturday? He had a hole where he like put up like a 12. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it came back and won. Yeah. That should have been, that should have got more pub. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, you look at the guy. He looks like he needs to be a character on King of the Hill. <laughs> and we're talking about golf here, so you can't tell me that that didn't have something to do with it. Right. Golf is all about having your hair cut and your, and your pleats on your khakis, right? Right. And he got no pub for that. Right. I would have been, I, I was clapping my hands when he decided to go to live. Mm-hmm. Because if that was anybody else, if that was DeChambeau, Kepka, Tiger, Rory, Anybody, they mm-hmm. would have been able to live sports center with that for a week, right? Oh, this guy came back from from <laughs> shooting a sink, uh, whatever a, a five shot uh-huh. is, or right? Quadruple, whatever. And he was in the in the in the lake three right. times, and then he tried to come back and mm-hmm. hit it, and then it went over to, the, and then he came back and won on Sunday, right? That was a great story, mm-hmm. and and I thought golf did they did him a they did him a a, a, a non solid yeah by not bringing that up man mm-hmm. that, that was foul to me yeah I don't like how they did him like that, um, uh, Ricky Fowler, mm-hmm. go ahead go over there to live man, <laughs> you ain't winning nothing right tell Ricky get over there man I love you I love the OSU pants uh-huh. uh, I love the hat you don't win nothing get uh-huh. over there to live man and get a guaranteed <laughs> thirty four fifty million whatever. Like, quit playing. Like, right. what are you doing? Uh-huh. Um, I understand the, the the specialness or whatever of PGA, I guess. Mm-hmm. But quit playing, uh, uh, Ricky. You know, <laughs> get some money, man. Tell him, Scott. Ah. If you're Ricky Fowler, well, if you were Ricky Fowler, not if you were Scott Wright. Okay. If you were okay. Ricky Fowler, would you go over there? Listen, I'm, I ain't going to fault anybody for taking the <laughs> check. I, I completely get it, man. Go over there, you know, play a shorter schedule. Don't have to uh, right. don't have to travel, uh, you know, 40, 40 weeks a year or whatever. I your, hey, your, I get it. Your fees are paid for. You don't have to right? pay your. Why Why does PGA do them like that? It, I don't know. You, you admit that though, right? PGA oh, it's do, messed up. PGA is messed dirty. up. Oh yeah, it's it's messed up. And they're uh, this has at least opened the door to where they're uh, they're discussing some of that stuff and acknowledging that they've been kind of kind of shady. And I think that's what it is. Golf is such a low key sport mm-hmm. that it's like nobody's running. Nobody's running over there wondering what PGA is doing. Right. 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 I mean, yeah. it, you know, up until Tiger, your stars were kind of, eh, you know, nobody right. really looked at them either. So yeah. I think they've been operating under the cloak for so long mm-hmm. that it's like now somebody's finally calling them on their shit. Yep. And uh, the Saudis are like, hey, we got a hundred over here. Right. So let's see. That is Scott Wright, ladies and gentlemen. Check out his stories in the Oklahoman. Uh, no, not the Daily Oklahoman, the Oklahoman. That's right. The Oklahoma, get it right. Scott, I appreciate it, man. And uh, if I don't see you for another two years, <laughs> you be good, man. And I'll uh, I'll reach out to you on Twitter. Or Sounds good, man. Appreciate you having me, Ivory. No doubt, man. Thanks for coming. Whatever you say, podcast, folks, huh? Water, my friend. Whatever you say. Whatever you say. Whatever you say.
everything is energy. And the main lesson you're here on earth to do is to learn how to manipulate energy. And what does that mean? Create. You have to learn how to create. Once you figure that out, you can have anything. That's what we are. We are creators. We are manifestors.